episode number 38 of the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. This is the podcast for, I don't even remember what month this is. I think it's June. June, yeah. But you know what? I think we're also going to stop saying that in the beginning because sometimes we have these little weird gaps where we're like one or two weeks behind. So, again, just episode 38. We're just going to go with that now. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is a your monthly geek culture podcast from your friends at the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, I am your host, Rob, tonight, and joining me is Jada. Hello. TJ. Hello. Aaron. Hi. Kat. Hi. And Fesh. Hello. So tonight, is, we're going to do something a little bit uh, different. So um, we're actually, uh, we got every single one of our female cast members on a single episode, <laughs> which is phenomenal, and it's a shame that it's taken us this long to do this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, caffeinated lady. <laughs> really, really good reason to get everybody together, because tonight we're going to talk about women in sci-fi and geek culture. So, uh, especially coming off of things like Wonder Woman, this was a really good opportunity for us to really embrace this, especially with a new format. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight, but before we start into that in full, we'll start the way that we show uh, start off every other show, and that is, would you guys rather be the proud owner of the Lasso of Truth or the Invisible Plane? Obviously, if you're not familiar with either of the two of these things, that means you probably have not read a Wonder Woman comic, seen a Wonder Woman TV show, or seen the Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> or just uh, not familiar, familiar with Wonder Woman at all. At all, exactly. So, then this is not the podcast for you. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to start with Jada tonight. I would have to go with the lasso of truth because, well, I'm a mom, and even though I can tell when my kids might be lying to me, if I could just be like, and like lasso them around and be like, were you on tablets after bedtime? Maybe like, yes. <laughs> you know, and just even owning the lasso of truth, you know, that, that would be a very handy thing to have. But it's also, it's preempting for the teenagers down the road. Uh, of so course it is. Wise. <laughs> so, TJ. I'd take, I'd take the lasso of truth, I'd drive down to Washington, and I'd get every politician in Washington fired. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Aaron. Uh, oh, lasso of truth. <laughs> it, it seems to be an ongoing thing here. No, uh, I just think being able to find out if someone is absolutely positively telling the truth is a pretty good thing to have, so. Kat. Um, I mean, I was kind of 50-50 on both, so I'm just going to... Throw in a, I'll do the invisible plane because I think it would be really awesome to be able to fly through the air and, you know, do so incognito. You would be able to just, I mean, you could probably park it somewhere without people knowing. Actually, I have a question for TJ that might be able to answer this. Now, I've seen versions of the invisible plane where the plane is invisible. But the people inside it are not. Oh, right. I don't like is that. that. So you're just squatting at 70,000 yeah, feet? Yeah, I don't yeah. <laughs> um, Well, also, as a question is. That... <gasps> Somebody's cell phone. <laughs> That's a giant breach of etiquette. Oh, it's the Samsung phone over here. Oh, that, that, would that was Paul's. my giant breach of etiquette. Oh, snap. Yeah. Uh, I, I you don't need the last of yeah, so, but that's me, an alarm, so you may want to go set that really quickly. Yeah, actually, let me see that. That's just to remind me to put my chainsaw in my trunk. Don't ask um, questions. So, wow. In current, the last time they had the invisible jet, it was actually a shape shifting organic device that could transform into any object, not just That's amazing, jet. so I want that one. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm changing my answer. <laughs> it would also... Tra- no, I wouldn't. I'd still take the last song in Washington. Um, but it would also... Tra- it, it, the last incarnation, it was no longer the invisible jet. It was the invisible city that floated over New York. 
and served as the embassy for the uh, for Thamascara to the United Nations. That's cool. I'll take yeah, Invisible okay. City. Invisible City's not bad. Yeah. Well, we're going to stick with we're going to stick with purely in the invisible plane. So. <laughs> so as long as I'm not free floating out. It like, begs the question: <laughs> Are there bathrooms on the invisible plane, and what happens when you take a dump? <laughs> Questions that aren't answered in common. Family Guy actually did a really good joke about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I noticed you didn't wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, how about you? <clears throat> well, Lasso of Truth is definitely not anything I'd want anything to do with. Um, no, our our civil society is made up of people being oh, able. To, it is it really is, and now some lies are malicious in nature, which I'm sure those are the ones people want to find out about. But a lot of lies are also constructive and diplomatic. Um, I'm afraid if I had the lasso of truth that I would go absolutely nuts with it. Like at first I'd use it for just the bare essentials. I need to know. And then eventually be like, man, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> and it would probably end up hurting my feelings because I'd probably get a lot of answers that are not diplomatic. And they wouldn't be very important things, but they'd be enough to like take little pecks out of my soul until I was just a miserable man running around with a, a lasso. So I'm going with the invisible plane. But I'm also going to guess that I'd own the invisible plane for about one day. And then, and then I'd forget where the hell I put it. No, this is a guarantee. I'd forget exactly where the hell I put it. And one of two one things. One glorious day. One glorious day. And then one of two outcomes. Outcome number one is you never see that plane again. Outcome number two is I find it, but I accidentally find it with my forehead at a large rate of speed. Yeah. And then I'm just not right at it. That's kind of where my brain went too. It's like, I really want the invisible plane because there's something about it that's really cool. And it's very similar to your answer. I think the last of truth is a great idea and phenomenal concept. But I think that could easily be used into very, very horrible things and make people very sad. I could, so I could see it being my villain backstory, honestly. We could we could, we could the lasso of truth. We could be a duo with the lasso of truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the duo of truth. But only he uses powers for good instead of evil. <laughs> well, that's what we'd start out as. Oh, and then, yeah, and then it gets rather ambiguous. Yeah. But no, uh, yeah, my, my thought process was to, yeah, Invisible Plane, but I'd probably lose it. And my brain always goes to, I think it was, uh, I, Robot Chicken had a, a wonderful sketch with the Invisible Plane where it was just uh, Wonder Woman and I think it was, like, Green Lantern flying together. And it's like, oh, you're, you're flying on the Invisible Plane. And they're like, let's not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, but yeah, like I said, I think, um, all in all, though, tonight we're going to be getting into some really more in-depth things that we haven't gotten a chance to do in quite some time. And I got to use Jada's thought process on the titling for the, the main section of this episode, because I loved it so much, was From Princesses to Generals, Evolution of Women's Roles in Sci-Fi and Geek Culture. So, um, so there's a lot to unpack here. Um, and I guess the first way we can do this is kind of just starting off with something very simple, but kind of loaded at the same time. How is a portrayal of character, this, like the normal female character type in sci-fi and geek culture changed just in our lifetimes? I know there's a time before us, but mm-hmm. I mean, obviously when we're talking about books and actually for quite a few of us, many movies. Um, but more specifically, if we were to say the 80s to now, mm-hmm. how much that has drastically changed? Because I think it's kind of similar when we were doing the Disney episode. Um, when we broke it down into like their little tiers and their timelines, the eighties is kind of where nothing was very different pretty much for the most part outside of, you know, the same kind of films that were in the thirties and forties and the serials it was very, very similar with the exception of one character. 
and everybody is pretty much all thinking at the same time here who that one character is, which is Princess Leia. She is the big, huge, massive difference. Like, these, one of these things is not like the other moments in this. Mm-hmm. But aside from that character, how have we changed from the 80s to now? I would definitely say you see a lot more women in supporting roles moving up in the in the power structure. Even if you look at shows that maybe started earlier in the 80s, you look at some of the examples that we have from the early, you know, some of the earlier cartoons and things, you still see a lot of, like, the princess or the damsel in distress being rescued by somebody and sort of being the prize to be won at the end of the show or the end of the movie. But then you kind of, we, we do see that transition. I think Leia really helped to kind of push that along. Um, but you do see that if you look at shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, you have a lot of women that have moved up into supportive roles. You have Deanna Troy, you have... Um, uh, Dr. Crusher, who have moved into these roles. And you have Tasha Yar, who was the first security officer on the bridge. So you have a lot of women who are moving into these roles of power. They're still not in the big chair yet. Mm-hmm. That came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still see them moving into, they're in that position of like, we're in the coterie of people that you don't want to mess with. And we're in that position of power. Um, I'm going to pick on movies a little bit. But, um, like, so 80s to now, with movies at least, like, you would have the, like, rare unicorn of examples where, like, you would have a fleshed out, you know, female on screen that maybe maybe she was take charge, or maybe she was, like, any variant that was just actually fleshed out in her own character. But, um, like, there were certain examples. Ripley. Um, like, Ripley, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, we're talking few and far between, mm-hmm. and, um... Then, like, the 90s, they tried to emulate some of those examples as things were, you know, people were like, well, we want more women characters, blah, blah, blah. But then they kind of fell into the, like, tough girl trap, which was, like, Trinity from Matrix, where you have these women that all they are is tough. It's still one-dimensional. It's still, like, they're still secondary to the male. And they're as supporting and pretty much arm candy to the male. They just happen to... Kick some butt in between. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And that tended to be, like, a trend that still continues even now. And, like, we're slowly starting to break free from that, though. And I feel like we're actually seeing women who are, you know, multifaceted rather than just, like, oh, well, we want to, oh, okay, people want, like, strong women. Well, then we're just going to throw this chick who kicks ass and that's, like, all she is. Mm-hmm. That's not what we want. <laughs> I, that I, wasn't the point. <laughs> I just say, I thought the, the real turning point for that kind of character, where all of a sudden, like, the multifacet came in, mm-hmm. was Buffy. Yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer had, fantastic. I mean, you know, Joss Whedon writes women so well. Because a lot of times when you see screenwriters or playwrights, you know, when they write women, they'll write fast some facets of them but it's never really a good rounded character yeah what's that one meme of then she boobily breasted down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> you that's still had a little bit of that like there was still like it, it was a little bit through a male gaze so yeah. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying but i think I, I really think that was like the big turning point for at least from what i've seen for you guys what would you say like Stood out for you, female character-wise. Beth's just like, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> no, I just, I, I had disagreements with the, the Trinity. I thought Trinity was a well, well-fleshed out character. I mean, I know, I know certain aspects of your character. She had, she I was would argue that Neo was even a, not a well-fleshed out character. That's totally fair. I mean, like, not Matrix all of them is a good great. action movie. But it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, they ruined it by making sequels. <laughs> well, no, no, no. What I, is I thought her she agenda was... in that movie? 
Well, she's a woman. Oh, agenda. Sorry. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. no, uh, but that's my point is, does the woman have, like, so you have other characters that are side characters in a, like, you know, well, that would have a full agenda or have their own stories and have their own, again, like, Buffy's a great example because, like, Sarah Connor. It's, yeah, that's a great one. She yeah. has her own agenda. I, yeah. See, I, yeah. I, I look at it and go, in some cases, some movies, like, The Matrix. Or just bad writing. It's yeah, or bad, like, that's it, totally it, in general, you, what's Trinity's mo- motivation or agenda? It's, well, I want to escape the machine. Unfortunately, that agenda could also be put onto every other character in that it's ship. True. They but all like have the exact problem. same agenda. Yeah. 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 And Eos is kind of like, apparently I'm the savior. How did that happen? Yeah. And that's pretty much like, his I'm character. I'm to screw the savior. Yay! Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. Much. I mean, that part I thought but was like, bad. The problem oh. is, we've got... But I look cool when I float in the air. I know. She did. <laughs> but the problem is, we have so few women already that are like in roles where they can competently kick ass, for example, that that gets... Oh, oh well, Trinity's a strong female character. Did you know what yeah, I mean? No, no, I don't So I because there's so few there, people will latch on to things that aren't actually because there's just not... A plethora of to examine. So I'm gonna rewind time a little bit. Sure. So like we've jumped like towards like the late nineties here. Yeah. Uh let's back up to early eighties a little bit because we said a couple names that really jump out very clearly. Like obviously sure. Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Even Terminator One, she starts very much in a damsel in distress role, and Michael Bean is kind of the the hero of that story. Until he's not, which yeah. is the very ass end of that. Yeah. It's basically like, here's the prophecy, this is who you're meant to be. And her character go- makes this hard shift within several scenes after. Right. Because, you know, Kyle Reese dies, and that's the end of that. Um, and then it's all about her. And it continues to be all about her in the second film. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, John's a big, important part of this entire story. But ultimately, it's all about her struggle. And, and John's... Thing. That's really her transition in the second movie. And I think right. that was the late 80s, if I'm not... If I'm, yeah. if I'm correct. T2 so was, I think, like, 92. And you notice I as soon say, as they got rid of her journey, mm-hmm. the whole thing was whole terrible. Thing, yes. <laughs> because she was the... I mean, really, like, she was the main character, but they didn't want to give that to her. So then they're like, no, it's John. I swear it's John. Well, and I think yeah. that's what they were trying to reclaim with this last one that yeah. didn't Genesis, work. which was... Boring. Yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't because which was worse were, than salvation, and I didn't think was. that was possible. <laughs> but it's not. Be, and let's just be perfectly clear that could that movie could have starred the original cast, and oh, it no, still it would have been horrible movie. because well, it was bad writing. Well, there's a, there's a mixture of doing something on the precipice that's changing the envelope of what we think of things, but then they also had all these other things going that's like lightning in a bottle. Um, you know, being on the forefront of technology and yeah. having a strong female lead character mm-hmm. and then just having a, and for a hard R-rated film to hit that big, even back then, mm-hmm. was fairly unheard of. So they managed to get all these things perfect. So that's kind of like this one, yeah. like, very specific, like, it starts with T1 and then ends really with T2. But, I mean, even if we go back even further than that, though, too, like, even going back to some animated things that we love. Sure. One of Cat's favorite movies Last Unicorn. <laughs> like, it's funny to bring this up. This every but it's fun to actually, in this context of this episode, is interesting to bring up because yeah. it's very, very much yeah. a different film because it's like, hey, there's not really a happy ending. No. But it's yeah. really about, well, I'll let you go into it because you can I mean, it's a it. female unicorn who turns into a female person. And yeah, like she has a little bit of the damsel thing going on, but in the end, she's the one who saves the day and saves her people. So it still was a very rah rah woman. Like, you know, I mean, in the end, like, 
She's the one who got shit done. Like, yeah. The hero was the side she character the that Red did Bull the human the thing. Yeah. That she was like, whatever, human. You do your thing. I'm gonna do this. But, like, yeah, she's the one who stepped up for her people in the end. Which, but, like, that was... Featured a strong female character, even though it was a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was gonna say, and as because I just rewatched this movie, uh, Labyrinth. Oh yeah, you have a you have a sixteen year old girl stepping up to against, the Goblin King to a Goblin King. You know, and yes, she's a bit whiny. She's a bit angsty <laughs> during the movie, but she's also a teenager. You know what? So is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and by and by the third one, when he's, I mean, he's badass. You know, mm-hmm. but but you have that journey, you know, that that strong female journey, journey where she truly becomes the hero and saves the day. Mm-hmm. Teach. So I'm sort of an odd outlier because reasons. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm a second generation nerd. My father. Like your me. father before yeah, you? Pretty much. <laughs> um, but so when I started getting into like D&D and stuff like that, my stepmother was a part of that. My aunt played D&D. Yeah. You know, uh, and then as I got older, I had a ton of women in the nerd culture. When yeah. I was in high school, there was a woman I you know traded barbs with on comic books because the X-Men still suck. <laughs> um, so... A lot of my stuff comes from comics, and in comics, there, you know, they some of them had their own series, some of them didn't. But like, I read Wonder Woman when I was a kid. Um, Power Girl had her own series. Huntress had her own series. Supergirls had so many series, you, you know, you lose <laughs> count on volumes. Um, you know, they had, you know, and then over on the Marvel side, you had She Hulk, Spider Woman, and She Hulk is a great example of pushing the boundaries. Of what a comic book can do, mm-hmm. and what stories the comic book can tell, she's actually uh, been cited as the inspiration. With that series under John Byron was cited as the inspiration for Deadpool's breaking the fourth wall because they did that all the time. That, that came from She-Hulk. Yeah, oh, I did not um, that. that's awesome. You know, the X Men had a ton of you know, even though they sucked. <laughs> X Men do not suck. Sure, they do. Oh my god, yeah. yes. I'm sorry, they do. Um, they, they tell some really good stories, and when they get to cut it down, but when it's in comic books for years and years and years, yeah, you're yeah. like, yeah. oh, God, just make it end. And, then, <laughs> and, and really, they only tell really good stories when Wolverine's not involved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, one of the most powerful X-Men is Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she was the force that almost destroyed the world. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have the on perspective of, to me, there were always strong women. You just had to know where to look for them. The problem is not everybody looked. It looked yeah, yeah, the problem was not everybody looked for them. Or cared to look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm not you know, I'm not handing you know somebody who's under the age of ten an X Men book. Um, <laughs> Doesn't sound that like you hand anyone an X Men. <laughs> well, even like there are some books I'd go, yeah, you know, somebody under the age of ten could probably read this. The current line of uh, Supergirl comics is a good example. Um, but at the same time, I'm not handing that same 10-year-old the latest Batman book, because that would just be wrong. <laughs> Catwoman's another great example. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, find if, I, I was just thinking, actually, around the same lines as you teach, that that I grew up in a time where my first movie was Return of the Jedi. I remember that was the first movie I ever saw. Um, and the oh. fact that... The damsel in distress in that movie is Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> Leia comes and saves the day at the very beginning of the movie. So 
and maybe because that was really my first, you know, foray, foray into that, I feel the same way as TJ. Like, I always felt that there were strong women because I knew how to look for them. You know, granted, I was also the three-year-old who did not want to be a princess for Halloween. I was Darth Vader. So <laughs> The other thing is, I look at some some people who you brought up, Buffy. Sure. I don't think that's a good feminist icon. Okay? Because the... Get out. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at it, she spent as much time... Beat up and being rescued as half the other characters. But she was, it was about equal. But again, and there's you, that thing about being multifaceted. Yes. Because, because if she was constantly to. just the one who, yes, yeah, she kicked a lot of ass in that show. Mm-hmm. But if she was the person who only ever kicked a lot of ass and was never vulnerable, she would have lacked so much dimension and Nana exactly. would not have. I'm not really saying she couldn't have been vulnerable, but at the same time, she was. It felt that it took, sometimes that the show took pleasure. In her vulnerability. Well, actually, I can jump in on that. It's one of the things you got to remember with Buffy, though, that's a coming of age story, though, too. Teenage girl. So, so it is somebody that is in your teenage years. You are a vulnerable person. You don't know the way the world works. Emotions are more on the surface. It's and then like, by the time you get to the end of Buffy, she's not as much that character anymore. The early seasons, most definitely. Yeah. But so is Xander, Willow. Uh, everybody else that they interact with at any point in time, Cordelia, I mean, they all are those types of characters. But at the end, there's not a question where you feel like, they don't have this. At They've the end, got like, this. Buffy was tough and grizzled and jaded. Like, and like she really, she was and wasn't. I mean, no, like, she, she took charge in the end. No, but she, they, in season six, they turned her into a victim. In parts, but that was a big part of the learning curve, too, was, like, she was learning to be an adult and didn't want to make that jump. She also had come back from the dead. Yes, Twice. and her <laughs> so mom had died in season five. Yeah, and I'm, she had to learn to live with like on her own completely. I'm not talking about any of that though. I'm talking about specific episodes when they turn her of, into a victim. But and that's it, all part of the character. Here's building. the thing: like anyone can be victimized. Yeah, yeah anyone. Yeah. And the fact that Buffy was victimized. Does not make her any less of a strong I'm not, character. I'm not, no, Please no, don't talk over me. That's rude. Sorry. And we're dealing with a feminist thing yeah. right now. So you talking over people, especially a woman in a. We're, we're talking yeah. about females here. So okay. so don't talk over people. That's kind of yeah. rude. But her being victimized doesn't reduce her strength of character at all. In fact, I would say that it actually enhances it because learning to overcome victimization is huge, and and being able to overcome victimization and still prove that you are powerful makes her even more of a strong character, in my opinion. And it's also, you have to remember, too, that kind of episode. And to, to be, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're talking about when Spike yes. tried to tried to assault her. Showing that and showing that someone going through that mm-hmm. helps people who have been, had, victimized. Had been victimized. And, and for are women, watching that. that's a huge problem. Yeah, women deal with that more than, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's five. something that I think would be important just for the female viewership in general, too, because that's something that many, many, many women will face and deal with, and to know that they can overcome that, and that it can happen to even the strongest slayer, Yes, that's important. But part of the problem there was, wasn't, and I apologize for talking over you. Um, Apology accepted. It wasn't that she was victimized. The, mm-hmm. par- the large part of the problem was the repercussions on Spike, which were none. That that's is fair. True. That's okay. totally fair. So she became less of a symbol mm-hmm. 
Okay, and more of, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it, you just tried to assault me. That's fair. And that's the part where I look at and go... I had issues with some (laughs) of that stuff, too. No, I understand that completely. Well, I think, honestly, though, too, this is connects really nicely to how things have changed in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. There is a better understanding and idea of how that functions today than there were 10 years ago. That has, it's not it's drastically funny. better, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit better. And it's enough to the point where you can look back at an episode like that, see some of the mistakes that are made in that, and if you were to have that same person write that episode in today's standards... They would get their asses chewed out online, mm-hmm. Twitter. Unfortunately, in probably some very horrible ways, and yeah. death threats and such and such, which doesn't make our culture any better. But still, I think just a little bit more understanding because people are willing to talk about it more nowadays could have drastically impacted if that episode was made today. Mm-hmm. So, so one of those things to definitely think about a little bit. Uh, we're going to jump forward a little bit though, because like I said. While Buffy is a big, huge talking point, we did an entire episode on that last <laughs> That's month. That's yeah. true. So, Sorry. Um, Sorry. So, she's relevant. But yeah, no. Absolutely. She is actually going to be a relevant character in this conversation. Uh, but also, we also have one other person at this table that doesn't have a connection yeah. to these characters, too. So, yeah. um, about things other than Buffy. Fesh's bad decisions in life <laughs> should not be our fault. No, it was they, in home world. It was they, and they aren't bad. <laughs> Which is funny that you bring that up, because I was going to mention it. And I have the opinion that it in the writing, that I think writing in science fiction and fantasy has been more progressive and ahead of its time. You brought up Dune. I, I, I personally think some of the strongest characters I've read about, female characters, have been in the Dune series. Oh, the mother. What was the mother's Jessica. name? Jessica. Jessica, right, because yeah. she was a witch, and she helped him like One of the, she one of the Bene Gesserits. Yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. Uh, it, it goes throughout the series. And remember, this is a series that starts in 1965. So yeah. not a t- if you look at any television shows mm-hmm. from 1965... The, you're the, you're mm-hmm. dealing with the painted green in the tinfoil bikini on Star Trek. <laughs> exactly. Or and that was Barbarella, the, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and... To me, it's I, I I don't know why it works out that way. That it seems like a lot of my my favorite science fiction and fantasy uh, books. And again, going back further, uh, Larry Niven does a really good job with female characters in his series. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that didn't translate into the other forms, uh, you know, media wise. It, it's possible because writers exactly. I was yeah, going to say things get rewritten and things get edited out. Yeah, and strong female characters. Then they're like, eh, she doesn't really what we want her to look there, like there's a male centric like. marketing mindset I think that was very powerful for a very long time absolutely which was good at blocking those kinds of things out um, I felt like in books though fantasy wise I had a hard time finding characters to connect with as a kid and I was really big and all I read was fantasy hmm. I mean I read like I devoured fantasy series and they had some very interesting ones and they had some like but I mean like whenever I mean, the typical fantasy thing was usually like the chosen boy who did the thing. And then there would, like, occasionally... And, you know, then he had a side piece and he saved the girl or got It's the like, here is the Christ analog yes. moving forward. And, and, yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. But, like, the two ones that always stuck out to me as a kid, one, Tamara Pierce, like, had the market cornered on writing progressive, like, ahead of her times. Because, I mean, like, I think her stuff was either 90s or, 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 like, later, a little later. But, like, it was still early. What's up? What? That was the Dragon Riders? Of, no, no, um, Tamara Pierce did the Lioness Quartet. Okay. It was a young adult series, yeah. but it was uh, a lot of Lioness. That was the first series where I was like, wait, it's a chick and she dresses up as a boy to go, you know, um, take her brother's place and, 
be a knight because women weren't allowed to be knights. And she was like, well, I want to be a knight, so fuck this. And she rises up the ranks and becomes a knight. And then she's like, I'm a girl. And they're like, oh, shit. Well, I guess we just gotta make you a knight. But the thing was, like, at no point, you know, she's allowed to fall in love with the prince, but then decide that she doesn't want to be tied down because she wants to be a knight and that comes first. And she ended up with a different guy that went along with her plan and was her equal, but, like, it was really progressive. Um, now, like I said, looking at a lot of these, like, we've been able to pull, point out a lot of solid examples. The sad thing is, more, most likely, a lot of us were coming up with a lot of the same names yeah. and mm-hmm. same characters going through that chunk of time from the 1980s to Kurt. I mean, I could pull some well, score, I mean, but you got I mean, Again, so, but, like, we're on talking point one and we're 30 minutes in. So, <laughs> so what I'm going to do is, the best way to wrap this up is... How one of the big ways it's changed has been said from one of our mutual friends uh, online is we are growing up in a time where Wonder Woman is as much of a badass as Iron Man or Batman. Um, we're in a time where Ghostbusters can be women and the Jedi Knight that everybody's looking up to right now is a female. So that is one of the best key factors talking about this episode on how much it really has changed. Yeah. Because if you were to tell me that's where we would be when I was like six or seven years old. I'd be like, huh? Mm-hmm. And everybody would just be kind of confused. Like, wow, things are going to change a lot in the future. And it changed <laughs> for the better. It's funny you actually mentioned that. I distinctly remember playing with Star Wars action figures over at... My mom had a, my mom was friends with a woman who had a son about my exact same age. We were playing Star Wars action figures. I, of course, was Princess Leia, put a lightsaber in her, in her hand, and he was like, no, and took it out of her hand because girls couldn't be Jedis. Uh, I'm like, oh, really? Now you want to find a person to lie? Yeah, so you Facebooked that yeah. <laughs> What do you think about me now? Um, so, moving on to the next point in talking about this is, what are some of the absolute worst examples of forward momentum in today's day and age? Uh, or even just thinking about maybe like the last... So, like, attempts they've made that have... 10 to 15 years. That has just been like, oh, dear God, you guys are just setting us back to the Stone Age. Electra. <laughs> Electra and yeah, the oh, bad again because you're looking at as you so well put it, you're looking at movies of female characters through the male gaze. What do guys want to see on screen? Because that's who's going to go see this comic book movie, even though it's starring a female character. What do guys want to see on stage? They want to see a girl in the skimpy outfit with big boobs. They want to see a pretty girl. They want to see this. You didn't have. You had the scene, you know, you had scenes of like, okay, here's the close-up action shot of her boobs jiggling. Here's this. Like, it's not, this is not how women want to see women. This yeah. is how men want to see women. And yeah. that to me is, that to me is a problem. Good. Storm. From the X-Men trilogies. Yes. Trilogy. That was a horrible female character. That's fair. She had... Like three she lines. She didn't really do anything. She didn't, she didn't do, do, it, do yeah. anything. Storm in the actual so much series potential. is amazing. Yes, she was, was amazing. She, she can command the fucking heavens, and yet she had two lines. And she was goddess and the queen. And she was yeah. also one of the leaders of the X Men many times over yes. for many many years. So and she was relegated to a couple of very bad lines yes. of dialogue mm-hmm. and the very bad wigs. Trilogy. Oh yeah. god, those wigs are always <laughs> like, at one point. I think in the, now I've never seen the third movie, so someone who has will have to correct my information if I'm wrong. But doesn't somebody <laughs> tell her that she's going to be the leader of the X Men once Xavier and Cyclops are gone? I don't remember. Okay. I think I've blocked that. <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly don't remember. Don't it's look it's at been me. too I long. Just, 
I never saw it. I looked at it and went, hey, it's going to be another Wolverine movie. And again, and again in that yeah. movie, you have a great example of a really awesome, badass female character, again, portrayed through the male gaze. You have Mystique. Yeah. Who can literally be anything. She can literally be mm-hmm. anyone. And she's walking around in blue body paint. And yes, oh, is it Rebecca Romaine Samus? Or yeah. Rebecca Romaine as she yeah. is now. Yeah. Is amazingly beautiful. And yeah, she looked awesome in that. And if you want to portray your body, that's awesome. But again, how much of that was done to just have her walking around half naked on screen all the time? Yeah, because that's not what she Because that's in exactly what. Yeah. Yeah, because exactly. in the comics, she had a dress. Yeah. Yeah. She was covered, but in the movie, you know, we we want to we want to yeah, entertain so some teenage shit. boys. Yeah. So let's let's have her walking around with basically some you know latex glued to her tits, and that's about it. Actually, uh, Mystique can work the. Uh, well, never mind. That's the next talking point. Ah! <laughs> uh, anybody else want to jump in on a negative portrayal? I think there's a lot. There's <laughs> yeah, I know. so many. <laughs> I mean, yeah. One of my favorite movies has got a really horrible portrayal. What's that? Uh, it would be The Fifth Element. I absolutely adore that movie. It's such a great, fun <laughs> yeah, sci-fi movie. Yeah. Lee Lou is nothing but eye candy in that movie. It's yep. totally true. It's true. She's nothing. Like, um, which is a shame, because it's such a fun, <laughs> yeah, different kind of sci-fi movie that we got for a long time. And I'm like, and everybody's like, this is so great. And then you look and at the... She's walking around in tissue paper and rubber yeah. bands. Yeah. I mean, oh, which, which, in my opinion, I do think there was more to the character... Than just eye candy. I mean, they did attempt to develop her. You've got a very hardened, very tough individual who's also very innocent in the sense that, you know, it's been, what, 5,000 years since the last time she had to appear and save everybody's asses? You know, so you had the learning curve that she goes through. But no, you're right. The, the costuming in that was, was fairly atrocious. It was futuristic. <laughs> Actually, there's another... Credit Chris Tucker was in just as meta, just yeah. the same amount of tight clothing as she <laughs> was. True, true. Yeah, but who wore it better? <laughs> Chris Tucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Okay. The um, the doc the the female doctor. What was her name? Um, I know you're talking oh, about Eva Green. Is that that's the, it? The actress is Eva Green. E- yeah. E- Eva yeah. Green was supposed to be this strong, you know, intelligent woman. Who stripped down to her bra and panties for no apparent reason in Dark Kirk. Eva Green. Oh my god, wait, hold on. She in the Darkness? Okay, that was the yeah. one with Khan. Yes. 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 Okay, my brain was like, is but that, it wasn't that or Beyond? According to J.J. No, it totally was. Yeah. I, and I think, I think there was more there. I think it got... I, I really think... Sadly, I think a lot of these start with very good intentions. And because of time and editing and things like that, they it gets left on the cutting studio, room floor. St- studio politics. All these studio things. politics. Studio oh, no, politics. no. J.J. Abrams has given interviews on that scene. And he was surprised at the backlash because he thought that was very empowering for her. Uh, I can see and how that, showing your body can be empowering, but it just didn't make it sense. It was gratuitous. Yeah. It was yeah. gratuitous. It, it comes to a point purpose. where it's this is the gratuitous boob scene. Or, yeah, you know, and it, there's... Is there a that? Like, no. Really? No. Not in that sentence. I will get to that later. Again, if there's purpose for it, sure. But if not, I don't get I don't get it. It's like, I can think if they were talking, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how movies in the 80s, when they got that hard art, was like, where's the gratuitous boob scene? There it is. There it is. There's a boob scene for no reason. And it feels like, it feels like we're seeing that still every once in a while. But... I just had a thought. Hackers. Hackers. Hackers, okay. I think, was interesting in that I think you had both both sides of that coin. And yet the gratuitous boob scene in that one, too. True. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which as, we, yeah, okay, as yeah. we know, is going to 
unfortunately popped in. But for her character, uh, specifically Angelina Jolie's character in that, I thought was kind of interesting. In a way, I think uh, she was meant to be a bit of a mockery of the early, well, not the early, but the 80s feminist movement. Because they do start her out as being this highly intelligent but very rough-edged, mm-hmm. you know. And they actually even make notations of that because her mother writes feminist novels. Exactly. So, okay. in a they, way... They connect her to that to kind of try to build something of her character. I mean, she's actually a really interesting one. Because she's kind of like, you know, Dade, um, what's the... I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, uh, Jenny Lee Miller, uh, okay. who is yeah. the lead in that mm-hmm. film. She pretty much plays opposite of him through the entirety yeah. of that film. Equally, um, equally as intelligent as the rest of the right. crew, capable of being fast thinking. And I would say she's actually smarter than most of those men that she's running with that's, in that set. And every that, time that, something that, major that's happened, true. she got them out of every situation. Yeah, yeah. But yet it's paired up with I can't remember the name of the actress or her character, the 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 the, the lady that was working in management. She was like a CEO or anything. Completely was up- where the company oh. that they actually hacked yeah. was this dumb, moronic, ditzy yeah. CEO, you know, female character. Yeah. Played and opposite of, um, oh my god, I can't, I can't remember, remember his, his name, name either, either now. Yeah, we're just going, we're going ah, really, um, back yeah. a ways. I don't oh, think right. either of the careers made it out of the so, 80s, to be honest. Right. So that's the 90s. 90s, 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 90s early, yeah. early 90s. But yeah, it's yeah. interesting where you see a stronger 90s. character and then a horrible character that's the only other female in the entire movie. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And it says, like, here is a hard line, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, for anything positive you're trying to do, you just undid it over here. Exactly. Yeah. So. Okay. So well, obviously. I just looked up hackers to see who you were talking about. I don't recognize half of these people. <laughs> There's this holy god, Mark Anthony. Oh, well, <laughs> Mark Anthony Pendulette. Yeah, that's so Yeah, Pendulette. Oh, I forgot they were in there. Yeah. Pendulette is an IT, uh, IT worker in that. Fisher Stevens was the bad guy. That's who he is. Fisher Stevens, yep. I remember because we just watched an episode of Always Sunny the other night for a minute. Oh, Bark Barcona? Barco? Lorraine Bracco. Bracco. Mm. Eh. Is that, okay. the chick? Okay. Probably. I don't know. It's been a long time. It's yeah. been a long time. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. On the 90s. Good times. times. <laughs> but so. I, yeah, I do feel like there's so many bad examples that it's tough to like <laughs> wade through to really yeah. figure out the worst. Well, I think right before you can butt this up to where they start doing it positively, we can oddly enough bring up Angelina Jolie yet again. Okay. Because when they're saying, hey, we now have a hardcore action film oh, led by a woman, <laughs> Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, oh, of course. Raider. Which is how you do it poorly yet again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For a second there, I thought you were no. using that as a good no. example. Like, yeah. Not at all. Talk after Not remotely. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but again, it's based off of the character, the version of the character at that time. Yeah. The version of that character now, I'm really excited to see when they do the next movie. Because they're rebooting it and mm-hmm. making it real. It's a survival film, and I'm like, this could be really awesome. Because the games, they managed to do that incredibly well now. Actually, um, Tomb Raider, that would be a great example of what I was talking about with like Trinity earlier, where it's, she's tough chick. There's there's nothing else right. to her. There is she is a nothing. fairly empty character. Yes. <laughs> so, Okay, so now let's spin this on the poster. Uh, the, what are the best examples of these characters? I know we're all going to think of, again... Probably <laughs> pretty much a handful of the exact same characters mm-hmm. here. So obviously we got Princess Leia out of out of the way. Why? Why? Because she doesn't take any shit from anybody. She's yeah. a revolutionary. She's a senator, and she's a, she turns into a general by the end of the series. She honestly, like, yeah, she has her love story aspect, and she shows a little vulnerability, you know. But at the same time, she still is that badass leader of the revolution that takes no shit from anybody and rescues. 
you know, rescues her damsel in distress as he's frozen in carbonite. And within the first five minutes of the first movie, we see her boldface lie to the badass Sith Lord. Yep. Who will, I mean, and, and when it came kind of full circle in Rogue One when you finally see yes. exactly leading up to that what the hell, what, what happened. But it just made that scene more badass. Absolutely. She's not like, a, no, I am on a diplomatic mission. Yep. <laughs> not only that, but, you know, we also see her in chains mm-hmm. going, you know, and she's very much sexualized, victimized, almost to prove a point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then, what does she do? She strangles her captor with those chains and, you know, regains her team and saves the day. So, she is, in my opinion, one of, like, the primo examples, primo examples of how to do a female character right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica because she was really, I mean, like, she was that tough character. She hung out with, like, all the guys, all that sort of stuff, but, like, which I related to, but, um... I really liked that she was allowed to be so flawed. Like, she was a very, like, she was a really well-done character in the sense that, like, I mean, she definitely made some bad fucking decisions, but she was allowed to have that. Like, that didn't make her less of a badass. Oh, that didn't make her less of a big ones where they had her as a actual flawed character was the love of her life, which is Apollo for oh a good chunk God, of the season. Mean. And it's like, let's get married. We're going to totally do this. And she like, walks no. out on him. Yeah. And she's like, nope, don't oh, want to do this. I just thought of a really good one. But Granted, I don't understand where exactly TJ's brain's at is near the end of the series. Oh, I where know. Starbucks character gets all kinds of weird, but that's because I think that show went on a season too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, actually, I had an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you guys will agree with me or not. Yeah. But I'm going to say Princess Jasmine. I can see that. Yeah. She was her that. own character. She had her own motivations. Yeah. She wasn't a prize to be won. She yeah. made her own decisions. Um, she also was able to stand up to Jafar even after he got his, you know, massive amounts of power. Yeah. There was no point in that while she did have to be rescued, she also rescued Aladdin. This is true. Yeah. There was never a point in that movie where she was a, oh, look over there, there's the princess. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll take care of it. And the only time anybody really would constantly refer to oddly over and over and over as the princess was the bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. I just thought of another another really good one, but I'll let everybody else go before I go around to it. Fetch. Oh, she's just struggling to look up the name. The 100 is a good example, I think. Clark. Uh, Clark. Clark. Thank you, Clark. That's what I was... Clark and half of the other awesome female characters in that show. They're all... Raven. Yeah. Yeah, exceptionally. Octavia. (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty badass. Um, there's a ton of amazing. Yeah, yeah. Very, very relatable too. Again, mm-hmm. when you talk about not being stereotypical, cut out, not just the tough person, not mm-hmm. just the smart nerdy person, or the there's they're just real. Mm-hmm. The characters feel real, and I think that's that's probably the trick to it. Yeah. If you're going to write, you know, leading ladies, you just need to be real. You don't yeah. need to be artificial. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because all of all of the talent and ability is there. Just allow it to portray itself. You know. Right. Um, I have one that's. Kind of different, but Kaylee and Firefly. Oh, I yeah. can see that. Not, I mean, smart as anything. Mm-hmm. You know, knows engines in and out. And yeah. the best part is, you know, she when you see like a, in a backstory, uh, she totally runs circles around the current mechanic who is a guy, and mm-hmm. they throw him off and keep her. Mm-hmm. Also, 
she owns her sexuality. Yep. Yeah. It's there's you know, point. it's she's she's sexual because she wants to be to hell with that, I'm gonna live. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not not for any gratuitous nature, not for anything else. She just owns it. Yep. Yeah, and she's a very multifaceted character. If I had to pick one more character, and this is going into not only I'm, I'm going to go into sci-fi fantasy on this one, but Daenerys Targaryen. She's a leader of armies. Yeah. She goes from the prize to be one to being the fucking Khaleesi and ruler of cities and mother of dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to talk about somebody who goes from you know the innocent to owning her shit. She owns cities, she frees people, she frees armies, and they command her, they, they follow her will and her command because they love her. Mm-hmm. And how awesome is it when she took them all the Kalsars? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Um, I'm gonna pick one that nobody knows, but <laughs> it's a YA series that um, I guess just finished this year. But in A Court of Thorns and Roses, the main character, watching her whole arc, um, it's spelled F E. Y R E. I don't know how to pronounce it. Freya? No, Freya. Fair. I don't. I don't really. Know. Um, what is this one? F E Y R E. I'm used to. Reading I would say Feyre, so but that's just maybe. Yeah, I don't so, know. So I, I have no idea. So, but like, <laughs> what's really cool about her character is she start. I mean, she's you know was pretty much the protector of her family. Like her family was starving. Her father was crippled, so she went out and hunted. And then she ends up in a kind of Beauty and the Beast type romance, ends up actually being a victim for a while of abuse, like kind of that emotional and a little bit of domestic Stockholm abuse. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. And then um, she breaks the mold on it and really comes into her own as like an empowered character and just takes charge. Um, I'll go back to uh, one of my, uh, my tropes. Uh, I'll go White Canary from Legends. That's a really good one. Yeah. yeah. She, she comes into that show and winds up being a better captain than the guy who's been doing that for years. Hmm. Yeah. And that makes her such an awesome character at yeah. the same time, though, too. Also owns her sexuality. As, oh, like, Sarah Lance bangs through space and time. <laughs> <laughs> that's the alternate name of the show, but you've never watched it. So. It's awesome. Um, space bangs? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pretty much. We're not talking haircuts, folks. <laughs> <laughs> She's a typical sailor. She has a woman in every port. Yeah. It's, oh, my God. Watching it, like, her game is, like, to hear that you're like, Damn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, one character we haven't talked about yet, which I'm surprised we haven't done, is Hermione Granger from Harry oh. Potter. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, on the 20th, and the 20th anniversary. Of, my yeah. phone doesn't do that. No, my phone doesn't do that either. But one of the big ones, yeah, obviously, yes. Like I said, today is the 20th anniversary of the very first book in the series. So, uh, but she is a character that. If she didn't exist, everyone would be dead. It's, yeah, it's, the world would be over. <laughs> really, true. what, what the book should be called is you know Hermione Granger, and you shut up and do what I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, let me do all the things, and you can maybe take credit. They wouldn't have made it out of the first book. No, they would not no. have made it out of the first book. They would have been uh, what was it the the night the snare? Yeah. They would have been dead on that. <laughs> They're like, how do we do spells? How do we research? Hermione's like, I got this, guys. <laughs> how am book? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much. Really, most of those books, if Hermione had been the hero, it just would have been over in like, the first chapter. Yeah, that's true. And Hermione didn't do anything stupid. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think one of the last ones I personally have to bring up because uh, one of my favorite characters and it's a character that's been through the ringer I mean obviously based on who's written the character has changed some of this but in the last 10 to 15 years 
Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. Oh, yeah. Uh, a character that has definitely been put through the ringer. Uh, you know, they had her very much as a more simplistic kind of sidekick character. And they're like, hey, look, it's a female sidekick. And that's what she was for a long time. Then she actually became a really solid hero. And then they paralyzed her. And then she had to become a really solid character from a wheelchair. Um, and then when she got out of the wheelchair, they made her deal with all that trauma. And what it's like to come up against those fears again. And it was written beautifully. Every single thing, and it's actually the story that they're trying to work towards adapting for the film that Whedon's gonna do. Yay. So, is her kind of coming out of that. So, is that the one Gail Simone? Yeah. Gail Simone was a big part of that, yeah. Who uh, was kind of like the quintessential Batgirl writer is Gail Simone. Yeah. yeah so, great. But yeah, I think she's one of those really, really strong, strong characters too that I'm very happy she's gonna have her chance to shine finally. So, fun, uh, the funny part is she actually owes her Gail Simone took over when she was in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. but the guy who made her a hero, a hero in the wheelchair was a guy by the name of John uh, Ostermer. I'm probably oh. pronouncing his last name wrong. Yeah. Uh, and part of the reason I bring this up, I bring this up, is because it ties into another DC movie. He wrote the Suicide Squad. Yep. At the time, and he decided, the original Suicide Squad. He decided he wanted yeah. to uh, write in Barbara Gordon. Yeah. As a Tech person. This guy created Oracle. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, and so if not for him, they never would have made. They would have written the Killing Joke out of continue, out of their history, oh, and she never would have been. That was Oracle. always an Elseworlds yeah. side story. It had yeah. nothing yeah. to do with continuity. And even the Barbara Gordon before our time. I mean, you have to look back because you know. I think of this now because we just lost Adam West. But Barbara Gordon in the bat- old Batman Yvonne series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she was kick ass. Really, before women were seriously kick ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it's still uh, at that point in time they still had a couple of years on uh, before Linda Carter would become Wonder Woman Correct. on TV. Uh, you're talking about 1966 to 1969, and Linda Carter didn't don the costume until 77. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, like I said, it's a uh, it was really kind of uh, amazing to see what they were willing to do even back then a little bit, and then where we've gotten to now. So it also shows what you could get in an apartment in the 60s because she had a secret lair with a motorcycle and everything. <laughs> Her wall opened up and had a had a slimy pole. It was like, what the hell? Seriously. Now you're just kind of wondering about, like, how much is just the closet? <laughs> like, can I afford that on my rent? Because I'm not quite sure if I, I can even get se- that right I now. I don't need the secret pole. Can, I just have, can we just make that a closet? <laughs> I don't need the second bedroom. Because the first, the kitchen is large enough because it's not a closet. And I don't have to walk through it to get to my couch. I'm good with that. Um... Okay, so... Oh, I, I had one further one, which please, was... Please, uh, please, please. Dr. Girlfriend from Friendship Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's she's an exceptional character. She really is, uh, actually. She, she kind of, yeah, runs. Uh, runs the monarch, but lets him feel like he's in charge. But not, a, not, not like in a fooling way. And almost, you can see in the monarch, he understands that she's much better in certain arenas than he is. They've got a very complicated relationship back and forth, but she she is an amazing, amazing character, I think, and and the correct way to portray a villain anyway. And I know we're going to be getting to that later on, but she she makes a wonderful, wonderful female villain. Very cool. Uh, now, as where we're at right now, I'm wondering if it might just be a good time to take a break. We're about 50 minutes into the episode. We're only three points into the episode, <laughs> uh, which is exactly what I expected was going to happen. Uh, so why don't we break there before we attempt to try to go into the next part, because I think that could be quite a long answer. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And we'll just get back to it after that. So, But I think we can already check off one of these because I think we already discussed our absolute favorite characters by far. So we should be able to get through everything. I don't know if we're going to get a chance to talk about Wonder Woman tonight. Uh, we may try. We will see what we can do. So, But we'll be back in just a few. Hey everybody, this is Rob from DC Primetime and the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. And I'm here to tell you about a couple friends of ours, and that's the fine folks over at BoardGameBento.com. Now, if you're not familiar with who they are, they offer a great loot box experience for you monthly. And what they do is each month, Board Game Bento comes with a themed surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. The best part, each box comes with at least $80 worth of games, and it's mailed right to your door. Take advantage of a special offer that we're putting on right now from the fine folks at Next Level and Board Game Bento by using the offer code NEXTLEVEL, all one word, at checkout over at BoardGameBento.com. There's never been a better time to start building your board game collection. Uh, I don't know why I try anymore, so... <laughs> we are back. I had it under control until I went to Jada. You guys when, are bad. When Jada, Kat, and Paul are on the show. No, it was the two of them. Yeah. But this and is then you started cracking, though. So. This is I'd like, I'd I'd like, like to say I was perfectly fine. You were good, and <laughs> Aaron was good, and I was good. Yeah. You got rum in that? No. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's get back into this, because we still have a lot to cover, and we are drastically more behind than I thought we would be, which I'm not very surprised about, so... Um, so, one of the things we wanted to dive into, which I knew was smarter to do after the break than before it, um, so, is Hollywood beginning to write itself, uh, in the past couple years? That's a big question right now, and this is more so specifically with the success of things like Wonder Woman. Uh, now, do we all think it's an inevitable hard push that we're going to see this positive change continue, or is this going to be a cash grab? I would love to say yes. I would love to say that we will see a Black Widow movie, that we will see all these powerful superhero and super... No, even super villain movies, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen in the way that we want it to. Before I jump to Kat real quick, um, as much as I think a lot of people, and we're going to see Marvel make a push for Black Widow, I think it's a little too little too late. Um, agreed, Kat. agreed. Uh, I will definitively say, unfortunately, it's going to still be a long fight and a long haul because the people who are running things, I mean, that's really, like, yes... Wonder Woman was, like, did very well, and that's fantastic. But, and they might try to run off that for a little while, but they're not going to be doing it for the right reasons, and therefore they're not going to actually make the positive change that's necessary. The steps that we make are going to be slow. They're going to be deliberate. I'm still dealing with this stuff in publishing, and it's a huge, huge problem, and it trickles down from above. Like, they still don't want to see masculine women. They still don't want to see, like... Things By masculine, that, you mean powerful women? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> but, I think I think that's right. Um, one of the one of the concerns I have, I used to think, or at least I, I used to like to think that it was all driven by money and by money alone, right? So we had the old mindset on what you had to do to push a movie to make money. Um, I I don't know anymore. I look at Silicon Valley as being a prime example. So you've got. You know, you've got this wonderful new tech bubble that's supposedly being driven by the younger generations. Women have the same issues in Silicon Valley, getting support for for starting projects, I managing think you mean to Silicon move up. Valley. But I'll let you go. With that. Oh, okay. Silicon. Silicon, Silicon. is a little bit different. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, so there's this valley where they do tech. 
and I'm not going to try Silicon Valley. Anyway, Tech Valley. Valley. Point point being that even though you've got younger generations out there that are supposed to, when you like to think of your younger generations as being progressive, there is a a lack of progression. There's still a a massive up you know uphill struggle when it comes to movies in particular. I think the only way you change it is by supporting, you know, financially probably more of the fringe artists, you know, by, by supporting the people that are really being progressive. And, and I don't know if you can push Hollywood to accepting that they can make just as much money with, with you know, doing things correctly. But if you can support the kind of venues that are out there, probably a lot more of like the independent films and things like that, if you can really start moving the money into that area, I think Hollywood at that point has no choice but to follow. Mm-hmm. But that's what's got to happen first, because if not, they're going to stay locked into the mindset that they've got, you know, and mm-hmm. like you said, cash grab, quite possibly. But, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to disagree. Um, I think funneling money into the independence is exactly the wrong way to go, because the studios aren't going to benefit from that. Wonder Woman's going to push it into a cash grab, but funny enough, that cash grab will probably push us in the direction we want to go. It also depends upon the company you're looking at. Uh, DC, even before uh, Warner Brothers, even before Wonder Woman came out, had Gotham City Sirens mm-hmm. and Batgirl in the pipeline. Yeah. yeah, they were early stages of development and will probably now get fast tracked because of the success of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, you know, they, they had them in the pipeline. Marvel, on the other hand, it's been X amount of movies and we're going to get Miss Captain Marvel, I'm sorry, in what, three more movies? Four more movies? Right. And that um, will be, like, about film 17 or 18. Right. Um, so, but the thing is, on the Marvel side, you had uh, Kevin Feige? Feige. Feige. Mm-hmm. Referencing Catwoman, Elektra, and the Supergirl movie as... Um, that exa- takes me back. Yeah. As examples as to why female heroes didn't work. Well, if two you, of those are your company, so... Yeah. Well, no, no only one of those is a company. Well, that's Catwoman, true. Supergirl, or DC. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Sorry. But the, if you want them to make more female-led superhero movies, female-led genre movies, you have to go to those studios' movies. Going to the independent isn't going to do anything because the studio's not making money off of that. Um, you know, as, du- as dumb as it sounds, look at uh, something like Dogma, mm-hmm. which had a progressive lead or anything that Kevin Smith has done. Um, yeah, he kind of pushed the industry, but not, but not that much. Um, but when you look at when something was done with studio backing that was in the similar vein and it did, it did really well, they try to copy that formula, which is why you've had the Marvel movies that have basically been regurgitating the same formula since Iron Man. Nobody's noticed because all the movies have been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're going to see a push, and it's going to be a cash grab, but I'm okay with that because it's pushing the cash grab in the right direction. Um, I, I, two things. Number one, uh, when you say independent, do you, independent artists, are you talking about like independent movies or like, so I, so from, from my standpoint, because you brought up Kevin Smith, TJ, um, that idea of independent movies seems to be dead and gone. Now, the idea of an independent, you know, is Netflix, Hulu, things like that. So you're seeing really good characters come out of Netflix. They're actually giving, um, and sadly, I have, we have not caught up on Daredevil, but 
Jessica Jones. Oh, yes. Badass. Yeah. So Badass. Good. The Night Nurse. I mean, like, just that character alone oh, in Daredevil is amazing. Is, is amazing. Yes. Um, so you're seeing that kind of thing in Independent. Uh, my my big issue is you have this mentality um, among people our age, among especially gentlemen our age, um, where you have this nerd boy mentality still where they don't want to listen to the female voice, you know, or you're in it because your boyfriend likes it, right? Uh, or you yeah. hear because you, you know, I, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things I, one of my favorite things I heard seeing Wonder Woman was one of the girls saying, uh, I can't wait for my boyfriend to be asked, oh, you're here because your wife wants you to be here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just hoping that there isn't a push of, well, Wonder Woman made money, therefore we want to give everyone, they must want Wonder Woman, so we're just going to give carbon copies of the Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. I hope there's going to be a push to, in the right direction. Um, Can I object really quick? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't like to call them gentlemen. We like to call them assholes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. that one. Um, I would love to see that, you know, the big studios would really give what's due to female characters, especially female leads and especially female directed movies that put those female characters in the right light. However, even with Wonder Woman, we didn't necessarily see that. How many big fucking billboards did you see with Wonder Woman's face on it before the launch of the movie? Oh, exactly zero. How many large, big, big commercials? I mean, yes, there were the trailers released, but there was very little press about Wonder Woman before she, she was re- before this movie was released. In fact, the only what um, the only like endorsement that Wonder Woman really had was like a diet bar. A protein diet bar with really that that's oh, that's the endorsement yeah. that we're going to give Wonder Woman to to kind of to to kind of counter to that though we have to remember we don't live in an area where we're going to see the big billboards a lot. Also true, but I mean you also they're trying to encompass that audience, but I felt like without giving the backing and the push that big push before a movie, a huge movie, a huge summer blockbuster is going to be released. You didn't give that press why to set the movie up to fail. Because, oh, when it fails, then we didn't waste all that money on all that advertising and all those endorsements that we then have to pay back because the movie was a flop because nobody wants to see a woman character in a lead. That's very true because when you when you see a Avengers movie, when you see a DC movie coming up, like the quintessential uh, bro movie coming up, mm-hmm. McDonald's has the toys, Burger King has the toys. That's Target. true. Where is my Wonder Woman toys? toys. Yeah. I did not see that push for mm-hmm. kids' toys. In this well, movie. one of the big key things is, I mean, I, their, their quote-unquote answer to that which was a very bullshit answer, mm-hmm. uh, was the fact that they wanted to treat this as more of a guerrilla marketing campaign and a word of mouth campaign. Yeah. Which means they didn't want to put them on. Exactly. That was the of my eyes rolling down the street. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. So, just again, as I said, <laughs> hardcore bullshit reasoning behind it. And they said they actually followed suit in the exact same way. And they said they're following the same measure of ad campaign that they did for Supergirl as a TV show. Which if you go back and try to watch how much they put billboards up for Supergirl as a TV show, it's about just as much as there was for Wonder Woman. That's true. So, massive downside. But the beautiful thing about everything when it still all comes to pass, Wonder Woman is now is the highest grossing solo comic book film right now at this point in time. Uh, I mean, we're saying solo, like they refer to it as a solo origin film. Because it's not a... It is not an ensemble film, mm-hmm. but it is now the highest gross for that. In addition to that, just, I believe, midweek, uh, Patty Jenkins went on to become the highest grossing female live action 
director. Correct. She that's a female, female, female director. She surpassed Mamma Mia. Yes. <laughs> like, that was, that uh, was the and the, the next hurdle was unfortunately one that she will not beat because the other female director, but it was a co-female director role, was one of the uh, directors of Frozen. And yes. that's uh, $1.5 billion. That's the highest grossing animated movie of all that, time. That's worldwide, and uh, I was actually just looking at that. Some analysts actually do think she will beat Frozen. Really? Yeah. Well, there's still, I think, three countries that Wonder Woman has not opened in yet. Right. And there are some large overseas markets still. So. Which three? And um, in China, <laughs> it just extended it's, its run. With it? In China. Yeah. China. Nice. It just extended its run. That's right. impressive. That's awesome. uh, but no, I think it's some European countries that has not opened up in yet. Um, so. There are some Middle Eastern countries yeah, that's well. not, that not opening up yet. Well, it will definitely not be opening up in a couple mm-hmm. of them because yeah. of... they're boycotting it. Yeah. Oh, it's. I think purely it's only Syria, but yeah. well, um, there's a couple of them. Libya, I believe, and it's literally Libya just because well. of the fact it's an Israeli lead woman. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Um, so. And I find that amusing, slightly amusing, because it's not the fact that it's Wonder Woman; it's that she's Israeli. It's, it's the. Yeah. It's the. It's not that sadly, she's a woman. Yeah. It's and it's in addition to that is yeah. she was an Israeli military. Yes. Yeah. So. Which so all of them have to be. Has yeah. to be. If you yeah. live in Israel, you have to be in the military but, at some right. point. But, yeah. I, she but was I still, a, I, a fitness I, instructor in the military as well. Like that—that's what she did. Is her military job? What she was. But in, like the, pro, the protests, oh, cool. some of the protests here for Wonder Woman was, oh, she's a woman over there. It was no, she's Israeli. Who the hell cares that she's a woman? It's true. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Off, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I think honestly, with all this stuff though, too, and I do kind of agree a little bit with Paul though, as far as that whole independent scene, because one of the things that the independent scene is going to help change is where do you think most of these directors come from? They're not just given big budget films. Uh, you shoot commercials, you do YouTube videos, and make your own we- like online web presence some way, shape, and form. That is the way that you become anything nowadays. Um, you have to have that as an entry point in. So everybody's going to be looking towards the independent scene to find the next Patty Jenkins because now they can't use this as an, as an excuse anymore. That excuse is, well, female directors never crossed this specific boundary. So, well, they kicked John Favreau's ass with Iron Man. So, mm-hmm. you can't really say this anymore. There's, yeah. you, your leaning towards all this has just gone away. Um, so, how this is all going to function is, yeah, you, you're definitely going to see a look towards the independent movement. Not as much in the film, but you will see the independent films, the directors from there. Because a lot of these people that are directing the new Star Wars films, like people like Gareth Edwards and all these they started very small films, and Star Wars is like the third, or four, his third or fourth film the that new, he's doing. The new Spider-Man director, I believe, this is his first film, right? Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, like this is branching off of just uh, movies, but like independent um, directors, whether it be movies, TV, but also the, I see, I see it from the indie scene in book publishing. But honestly, like, that is genuinely where people break the rules. It's where people, because they aren't kind of stifled as much, and people are allowed to take a lot more liberties with smaller presses and smaller places. And so a lot of, like, the independent stuff I've read, even, has been leaps and bounds more progressive than the mainstream stuff that's, like, on the shelves. And it's a shame, because I would love to see that momentum hit. But, I mean, hopefully... The hope is that the independent people continue to go on and. It's kind of like government. It's bubble. there's yeah. old blood in all of these yes, forms honestly, of media, and, that's the biggest and when that old blood starts to, to die and go away and retire, and then the new generation goes up. By the time we're in our fifties and sixties, one can only hope things are much better. <laughs> um, no, but then we'll be the old blood. 
Holy God. <laughs> but we're going to be very chill. It's true. Right? It's very true. So, uh, well, at least one can hope. Um, <laughs> so, let's so wait and see. Um, Teach, you had something else? Uh, different topic. Never mind. No, no go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, the, part of the reason they're hiring those directors, though, the independent directors, is because they can pay them less. Absolutely. Very true. Okay. The, they're like the guy who got Chronicle then did Fantastic Four. Why Josh would Trank. you hand that ca- that property to that guy? Because Chronicle is incredibly good. Yeah. yeah, but that was his only movie, and they needed to resurrect a franchise. Gareth Edwards had a tiny little film, then he did Godzilla. Which was an okay movie. But for the most part, though, it yeah. did major but, box office money but think for about that this. company. 20, though, so. I mean, 20 years ago, they would have hired Spielberg. Well, yeah. But he was in the prime of his career. They're hiring, they aren't hiring these people because they're independents. They're hiring these people because they are cheap. Well, I, I, I'm gonna agree to disagree with you on that a little bit because I think you're also seeing some big major changes that are really are happening in Hollywood. Think about how often people at this table here talk about, did you see, like, this, this movie by this director, like, it's Quentin Tarantino again. Mm -hmm. When's the last time we've done that as a group of people? It's fairly rare. There's not somebody that you latch onto like we did in the, like the mid '90s and early 2000s, like people like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, but now people are looking at people like that are very much in the cultural limelight right now, which is Lord Miller, the people that did the Lego film mm-hmm. that were doing Han Solo that just got canned. <laughs> um, so you're looking at things like that, but it's because studios are now realizing they have to start taking risks because those big, huge directors are doing purely what they want to do now. Because they can demand, hey, I want X amount, I want to do this, I'm going to have this blockbuster cast, and you're going to give this to me because I've brought in money for you. And that's what it, how it but kind of unfortunately works. But the thing is they those two off because they were taking risks and doing things they didn't like. And they hired Ron Howard. True, but it's, again, <laughs> the worst splitting hair is going on. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. that's the thing you're always going to come across with any kind of studio movie is there's always going to be too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. That, and that's, I think, why in some independent stuff is, like, so much more risky and a lot of times better because the studio steps back. I know, at least with Netflix, from what I've heard, Netflix mm-hmm. is like, here's the money. Have fun. Go do it and you come back and they're like, thank you. This well, was good. You know, and you're not going to see that, you know, 18 people wanting to make three changes. So. Like, one of the most progressive things, I mean, we saw recently was Sense8, which it's a shame that there's probably not going to be season three. But that show is, like, in every, like, it's just amazing. But again, would that would we see that on like network TV? God no. You would never see that on network TV. No, and it's so so well done. Which is funny too, because it feels like that show is making up for all the things that we gave them crap about when we talked about the Matrix a little while ago. So <laughs> it's so true. No, yeah, they totally turned everything around and like just embraced. And I mean, who knows? Maybe the studios were the ones that quashed a lot of that originality and be like, no, we want action and action this and blah. But, like, what they came up with with Sense8 is just a beautiful exploration in character and different diversities and, you know, transgender characters. Like, they, it just really spans the gamut of things. But it also embraces sexuality really well, too, where um, it's actually... Uh, we were having a discussion on it where it's, like, it's more of... Um, it's done well. It's not... Gratu- it, like, it's there, but it all kind of flows with everything. It's and meant it's to part- build the character, not to find them. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's an artistic thing rather than being a gratuitous thing. It's a very different... When there's an orgy in that show, you're like, this is the most beautiful sex scene I've ever seen <laughs> shot <laughs> ever. It's so gorgeously filmed that you're like, oh, it's not like, hey, you know, like the, the vibe is completely different. Yeah. 
if it, it, I was just looking this up, if you want to ever see how nitpicky studios going are going to be going back to that real quick, yeah. follow the Twitter. It's called it's at TV Network Notes, oh, and it actually is someone who will who anonymously anonymously posts things like from uh, <laughs> CMT. This character is too cartoonish. Make him more like Beaker from the Muppets. So when you have that many people... My brain just hurt after yes. that statement. I don't know. Oh, God. That sounds I want to know what show they're talking about now. I know, right? watch it. So if that's happening on a TV with that kind of money, think about it on a 40, 50 million, 60 million dollar movie. That's got to be a nightmare. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, now, is there any other kind of points in this that anybody still wants to jump in and dive into? No? All right. So we're going to jump over into another discussion as far as... Characters that are hardcore in need of a reboot or updating in major ways as far as female characters in this vein. And does anybody have any that immediately come to mind like, holy shit, what were they thinking and why don't they get it right? Was that right? Teach. Shira. <laughs> does Shira need to exist as a character? <laughs> Hey, we're Sheer, getting... I, from what I understand, Shira was created so girls would buy humans. Yes, yeah. I was uh, the target audience for Shira. For Shira, oh, I, yeah. I had a few Shira dolls. They they were cool. They played with my Barbies. Yeah. They were they were oh yeah. yeah. Remember one had wings. We're getting a Masters of the Universe movie. Let's reboot Shira. Let's make her a badass. Yes. Oh, you can guarantee if that movie hits, they're totally gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I, there I, was I, a gym live action movie not that long ago yes, that everybody it was, it was no, no. horrific. I heard it was really bad. No, 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 there wasn't. Don't talk about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I never had. Well, because it seemed for what it seemed like they went. This was the TV show. Let's throw that out. Okay, her name is Jen. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had a synergy. It was a flying talking robot. Oh, God. Oh. But let's just not go there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So characters who need a reboot. Well, I think one of them was actually one that recently did just happen. Uh, and I'm really hoping that this does translate when it gets to screen, because I think most of the film is shot. And I brought it up earlier, which was Tomb Raider, the mm. Lara Croft okay, film that they're doing, yeah. which I loved the concept because I played the first game that was part of the reboot series. Again, you're talking about a video game, and video games, for the most part, really bad and lazy writing. Everybody here can can admit to it. I mean, Bioware is one of the exceptions to the rule, and there's a couple other really good ones, but that game had a really great, beautiful concept of who that character can be that's somebody that's relatable and not a sex symbol, and they can do something interesting with. Um, And the question is, if that's going to translate to screen, and they're going to have the ability to do what they did with that character in a game... And if that means that you have to step behind and backwards behind a game, that means, oh, dear God, they got this really, really wrong. Um, but I really, really hope that that translates well, because I love that it was a character that was, she gets stranded on an island with a whole bunch of other people. Not like Lost, so don't think that anyway. <laughs> so, stranded on an island, and she's separated from her group and has to find a way to survive. And one of the first things you do in that game is you have to hunt. And when she kills a deer, she walks up to the deer and apologizes to the deer for killing it. Like, there is a serious sense of remorse that's happening. And when she kills somebody and forced to kill somebody, you watch her go through some form of emotions. Granted, five minutes after, you killed, like, 70 or 80 people and there's nothing there. <laughs> but if you can translate that correctly in a movie, that could be something that's really interesting. And you now you're talking about a human interest story. Um, so I'd really love to see a continuation of that idea. And I really hope that Lara Croft can be a character that's, you know, multifaceted like they are in a game series, which I'm very happy I'm able to say that nowadays. So... 
this might be a little out of the sci-fi geek culture females, but um, a lot of the original Disney princesses, and I think Disney's starting to course correct with the live actions, Cinderella, very much a, a girl power kind of character in the new movie. Belle definitely with, with Which the I new just Beauty watched. Beats. I love that uh, movie and I cry like right, a baby yeah. every time I watch it. Um, but I'd love to see like Snow White not be fainting girl in the forest. She is in the night. And it's, I mean, it's like <laughs> 20s. So, yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, 19, like 30 something. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see those characters be a little bit more badass, but by, Dis- you know, the Disney story. Because I know we have Snow White and the Huntsman and all that stuff, but. I actually generally have a question for Jada and when Kat gets back as well, uh, and you, Aaron. Now, if they were to drastically overhaul, and actually I'm curious about the guys' as far, uh, viewpoints on this as well. If they were to go back and change, like, stories like Sleeping Beauty, like, drastically, mm-hmm. or Snow White to, to be a little bit more progressive with their characters, do you think that drastically changes the story, though? Like, those ones back then, because they yeah. were so kind of set back then, and there's... Seems like there's very little room for deviation with the old movies. The really old ones, but where like you're hitting things like the stuff from the '80s, '90s, like Little Mermaid and all that. There's a lot more room where they can do something really, I think, fantastic and really update them in a perfect way. So watching Little Mermaid as an adult, I want to look at her and be like, "You're 16. Shut up." <laughs> Especially watching that movie as a parent. Ex- oh my yeah, god. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you do have a point, Rob. I mean, it would change it drastically, but I also think that a lot of young girls—that's one of the first mm-hmm. things they see. You know, they see the girl being rescued by the prince. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, like, if you want to see where it's getting changed, a lot of YA uh, fantasy right now is, I mean, like, fairy tale um, derivations are huge, and you're seeing a lot of twists on, like, Cinderella or Snow White and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but with empowered women. You kind of are seeing a little bit of that shift and turn in events in some of the things that Disney is putting out now, Um, like Descendants. Um, also, I mean, I, I have a nine-year-old daughter, so, yeah, these are, these are things that I've seen. Quick point, that, Descendants, that's the villain's it's kids the villain's show, kids. right? It's the okay. villain's kids. It was a movie that they did about the villain's kids going to school with some of the hero and heroine's kids at, like, a boarding school kind of place. Mm-hmm. So you see a little bit of them turning Disney on its ear in that respect, and you get a little bit of redemption of characters and then, you know, getting the chance to prove that they're not just villains and doing the right thing. Um... You also have some shows like Ever After High or Monster High that are kind of pushing things along a little bit in that respect. I would love to see a kick-ass Snow White. I mean, I think that, you know, maybe turning things on its ear and giving her a chance to, you know, fight for her own right to survive in the forest and, you know, maybe see Snow White walk up and apologize to a deer before she slaughters it and drinks its blood and whatnot. Like, that to me, I would watch that Snow White movie. Absolutely. That went dark really fast. Yeah, Jen. Hi. For the record, <laughs> she would lure the deer in. She doesn't have to walk up to it. That's she starts true. to sing. It comes in close. And she just holds snap. the blade out, and then it's just like, keep coming. <laughs> keep coming. All right, I wouldn't see that movie if it was a guy. In there. Actually, I'm kind of curious, and I kind of want to see that movie now. Um, they, they've kind of... There are two places where they've kind of done this already. With Disney itself, uh, Melissa... Uh, Maleficent? Melissa. Yeah, yeah that's a tongue twist on that every time. I mispronounced silicon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that movie with Angelina Jolie was um was very much a retelling of that and they made the the feminist character Angelina Jolie instead of the princess. 
It was I a fun movie. It. Yeah, I mean, she was also sort of a mother figure too. Yeah, so, I mean, to, was... uh, to Sleeping Beauty or Aurora, or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, it was really good. good. And then you know, in turning fairy tales on its head, the first couple of seasons of uh, Once, Once Upon a Time yeah. were, were really good for that. Snow White did become a badass in that. Yes, she did. Um, and they kept a running tally on how many times that they saved each other. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, it was you owe me one. No, I have that. I, you owe me one. I had those two times the other. It's just a shame that the yeah. show kind of fell apart. Yeah, and yeah, then it was season the three when they kept rehashing the same plot lines. But that's we have a concussion in amnesia. Who okay. are you again? <laughs> oh my god, guys! You, this is the sixth time you've done this, and we're on season three. Yeah, yeah. hold um, on. <laughs> you know, the, the main character of, uh, of that was uh, you know Emma Swan. You know, even the queen had a fantastic arc. She, did. she was awesome. She kept yeah, experiencing it again you. and again and again and again. <laughs> what season are they in now? I mean... I don't know. It's not I don't that show after Bob Actually, funny season. enough, they're, they're pretty much rebooting it. Yeah. Um, the majority of the cast The majority of the cast is leaving. The only one I think that's still confirmed is staying... Is, is Regina. Is Regina. <laughs> Which might means I might go back and watch it because yeah. it might get good again. She's fabulous. <laughs> they're kind of closing out this whole Storybrooke stuff. Oh, thank God. Uh, basically, <laughs> those characters got their happily ever after at the end of the last season, from what I understand. Most of them did. Mm-hmm. I stopped watching. Yeah, a great concept yeah. for a show, though. It I will was, say that. It, it was. was. A great it was a great beginning. Yeah. If you, if like, you want to just... Lasted. If you want to read a better version of the show, Fables. Yeah. Fables. Fables. That's true. Oh my god, Fables is so good. That was what you gave me to get, yes. her, yeah, to get into comics, and I like ripped through Fables. So, are you telling me Fables was your gateway drug? It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very the harder stuff. <laughs> How about you? What is there a character you would love to see? A female character that would be rebooted in today's modern age? I'm, I'm not sure. With her. <laughs> yeah. This one needs more thought on my part. Okay. Yeah. I would actually love to see some of the original Bond girls, like from the oh, 1960s and 1970s, kind of get their own spin on what happened in those movies. Sort of like the the, the Wicked to Wizard of Oz yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Like, okay, you know, people just think I'm this eye candy and this cute little like bikini and I'm Russell Andrews, but I'm really college educated and I'm an archaeologist in my own right. And, and yeah, I maybe help this guy named James Bond fight this guy named Dr. No, but I have my own story along with this. That would be really so, cool. So, I kind of grew up watching a lot of James Bond movies. Yeah. Um, we used to make a game out of making up our own James Bond, our own, you know, Bond girl names and stuff. I'm yeah. not going to say what mine was. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> but, um, that's definitely something that I would like to see is sort of like the retelling of the, the Bond girl aspect. Because those movies, I think, are definitely a sci-fi if you look at it in, you know, certain respects. They have the intrigue, they have the inventions. Hell, in Moonraker, they went to space, but that's a terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Go back and rewatch them because some of those scenes with the Bond girls. It borderlines. Oh, no. Some of them are downright, they're, they're downright assault. Yeah. And that's, yeah, no. They're, oh, Mr. They're, Bond. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. They're very, some of them are quite inappropriate. Yeah, she had a quick point. It looks like. Yeah, well, yeah, it just uh, struck me. Um, I think we're about due for a female doctor. Hallelujah. Yeah. Awesome. That would be nice. The Who's rumor it? was Haley Atwell was, yeah. and then did not want to do it anymore. That was the internet chatter. There's also a lot of rumblings that the girl that plays Missy is going to be the actual next Doctor. I'll tell you, I love her. So, <laughs> love her. I'm not a Whovian. I was just going to point out that James Bond barely had a character in those movies. That's uh, true. Uh, 
Though the new internet chatter is Laverne Cox for the next Bond girl. I don't know who that is. She's on Orange is the New Black. She's a transgender woman from Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. fucking awesome. She yeah. was uh, Dr. Frankenfurter in the new Rocky Horror yep, Picture Show. But that's the internet chatter, not confirmed, but mm-hmm. that would be really cool. I still want to see Idris Elba play Bond. Oh, who doesn't? Even even Daniel Craig wants to see him do that. But <laughs> well, Daniel Craig was done with Bond. Like I would watch Idris Elba um, read a phone book. Oh God, yes. <laughs> okay, you're showing me a picture of Chris Marshall. No, uh, that, yes, so that is uh, huh? that is Some the dude? strong contender for the next Doctor. Uh, Has anybody seen Love Actually? He is Colin in ginger? Love Actually. Yeah, yes. he's ginger, ginger and he's a ginger. Uh, I have nothing against gingers. So, I don't know why I said that. Oh, because I'm sitting next to you. I'm not a real ginger, but I will back my ginger brother. You fake ginger. I know, know, right? You guys are the ginger contingent on that side. (laughs) We're the fake gingers. It's true. Okay. So, like I said, we got some of the ideas of some some of those characters that need to be rebooted. What about the ones that deserve the spotlight next? Because that's a big difference between people we'd like to see rebooted, but who's the character that really deserves all eyes on them? Like, they finally deserve their time in the sun. That's why I'm so excited for Batgirl, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Teach, you you were, seemed like you were ready to go. Um, I could list the amount of <laughs> uh, super, superheroes I'd like, you know, I'd like to see. If you had to think of one at the moment, then we'll get back to you. Don't worry. Okay. So. This falls in the last category, too, but Catwoman. I want to see her done right. Can, can we see a because, good Catwoman? Because, like, once? I grew up with Catwoman in Batman the Animated Series, and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then, like, yeah. That was only totally a crush when I was a kid, because she was fucking awesome. Yeah, she was. Cool. Um, well, I mean, like, I think we got a pretty good Catwoman, but uh, in, um... Oh, my in God, Dark Knight? Yeah, Sure, Hathaway. but she wasn't. Like, I would love to I would see, love to a, see Catwoman a story, movie, a full story. Not with... What, well, Gotham City Sirens, it's a wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Because we know we're getting, it's Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, and Catwoman together, and they yes. are the leads of that film. My it's God, just that. So. That could either be entirely kick-ass or entirely shot through the male gaze of skimpy costumes and not much depth. Yeah. I'm hoping it goes the totally awesome route, because mm-hmm. I would love to see those characters get the full Oh, there's a high chance there is. In their books, like, that style of stuff, they always, like, they actually have very well, like, very interesting storylines, so I'm hoping that they... Well, I mean, like, I think there's a high chance that you're going to see a big hard shift uh, and possibly see a a properly well done one with that, because we now have John Berg and Jeff Johns, who are running the DC films, where he they were not in place when Suicide Squad was made. So, Jeff Johns is kind of like the gatekeeper of all things DC, and if anybody is going to be like, no, 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 you can't do that with this character, it's him. So, hopefully, yeah. they'll get that right. So, fingers crossed. Um, since I've been pointing out that Marvel doesn't have a lot of uh, female-driven leads, I think that in order to uh, <clears throat> reconcile that, there's two they should definitely bring to the to the big screen besides Black Widow, I wasn't going to say okay. that. Um, but She Hulk, which is one of my because she's a well balanced Hulk. Yeah, okay. Jessica Walter, right? Yeah, Jessica Walter, who actually prefers her Hulk form. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the and she's a lawyer, correct? She's a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> so she goes to court as as She Hulk in a business suit. Yeah. Nice. That's amazing. Uh, and then the other one is uh, the new Miss Marvel. 
Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. Yes. Um, is Islamic? Yeah, she's yeah. an Islamic teenager. Um, and they've already talked that, you know, they're doing another Spider-Man, obviously, after Homecoming. Um, but they said that he's going to team up with somebody besides Iron Man. And it would be really good to see him team... You know, that would be a great way to introduce Kamala Khan to then give her her own movie. Yeah. Okay. Because she's very popular. She's um, she's actually managed a staying power that you don't see many new characters get. Yeah. Um, and it's an underrepresented part even for male characters is the Islamic religion. I think that would be a great touchstone. Yeah. Um, piggybacking on Marvel, Storm. I want to see a Storm movie. I want to see that character done right because she deserves it. She's a goddess. She's a queen. She's a woman of color. Can we please put her in a position of power? Like, we have Black Panther coming out now. We have Wonder Woman. We have... We're starting to see that immersion. We're starting to see that inclusion of people, of different, of women, of people of color. We need Storm. Mm-hmm. That And I just want to see her light some shit up with some lightning. <laughs> Because she was always she was always one of my favorite. Like I, between her and Rogue, they were my two favorite female X Men. And please, you guys know I love thunderstorms. We, we need storm. <laughs> we need. <laughs> There's one that I, you know, they've had the spotlight on on the small screen, but it's time for big screen. And I'm surprised Jada didn't say this. Ahsoka Tano <gasps> from oh, Star Wars. Oh, you shamed me. Oh, <laughs> Jada, I <have> <laughs> but it's one my character. Gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> But if there's one character that I would love to see more than all the characters we've talked about get their own movie and just a massive marketing ad campaign behind them and say, this character is well-deserved of all of your time and praise and love and joy for just Star Wars in general, uh, it's that character. Right? That's uh, somebody I can't that's agree with you really more. <laughs> overdue. And I really hope that when they get to the, se- the final season of Rebels that they don't kill her off in an episode and they say, here's her ambiguous ending. And here's her movie. They've you know? given her some good ambiguous endings, though, I do have to say. And honestly, she I, I couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. She is she's a Jedi. She walked away from the order. She is a fucking badass who fights with two lightsabers, like Florentine lightsabers. Like does it get any cooler than that? She's a Tagruta, she's badass, like the, she has character depth. She loved she loved Anakin in like a platonic sort of way. It's a brother-sister dynamic. Yeah, the brother-sister dynamic. They had that, like, that back and forth. They had that, you know, they had that banter and everything. And I, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. She deserves her own movie. Yeah. What character do you want to see, aside from Catwoman, have a big spotlight? Oh, man, I don't know right now. I'll have to think of more. <laughs> How about you, Fesh? We haven't heard from you in, in, in a bit. I'm sure you've got somebody that you're like, this character needs Mom, to... Fish. Even if it's a spinoff of something that you adore... The hard one again. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. I'm not. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm not, not going like, to push it. I'm not as big in movies, and I've been reading. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a book, things. if it's an offshoot That's book fair. or a side story that like you wish would have been told years and years Ooh, ago. I can think of old. See, think of an old book that you would that had a character that you wanted to leave. Well, mo- the problem is, is most of the old books that I enjoy have good, strong female characters in them. So trying to. But as like, if if you shifted and gave them. Their own story. It, yeah, this yeah. is what they were doing when they were over here. Yeah. <clears throat> All eyes were not on them at the time, you know. Yeah, that's, again, not easy. Because a lot of the ones I read, too, are long serials that go deep into backgrounds. Robert Jordan, I know you didn't read all the way through. But his his female through, characters yeah. were all pretty complex. Erin, how about you? Um, 
I, you know, I'm, I'm like racking my brain right now trying know, to, right? to find, trying to figure out because there's, there's a whole bunch of them. I, uh, so I just got into uh, Handmaid's Tale. Hard. Oh, so good. Core yeah. on Hulu. And though I have not read the book yet, and that's my next thing, I want to see a full background on um, Alexis Bedell's character. She's the one that ends up befriending off um, off Red, mm-hmm. and then uh, pretty much, you know, she she's the one that comes back and then steals the car and runs away. Oh, I, can't, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what because they're all of, of something Steven? of Steven. That's yeah. it. Yeah, um, I want to see her backstory. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought of something, um, and again, it's it's not. Uh, because I can't remember any of their names. There was a time when I knew a few of them. I would love to see a movie or a series that followed the female Russian snipers from World War II, which is not much talked about, but some of those ladies had kill counts of over 300. Oh, there is a really good website awesome. called, um, oh, is it like the Unsuspected Princess or something like that? I'll have to look it up for you. Please, yeah, please but, give me a Because they have a whole, there's a whole like comic that they do about a Russian... Woman who was a sniper. I will have to find okay, that for please, you. Please do you. because there were some, um, there were several really they, good and ones. they were badass. Oh yeah. Um, actually, so it's sort of like it's sort of like the uh, women's perspective of Enemy at the Gates is what you're basically basically would like to see. Yeah, there was there yeah. was a a a, uh, a pair of uh, female snipers who held off. I want to say held off an entire Nazi battalion by themselves until they were out of ammunition. That's amazing. And then just pulled a story. pulled a pin on a grenade. <laughs> Between them and allowed it to go off because they didn't want to get captured by what was remaining of the battalion. But there were, that, I think that would be a neat uh, yeah, thing to, really to delve into. Yeah. It would be. Um, I thought of two. Uh, one, I would love to see a, like, we've been watching Black Sails and I want to see a movie with, like, featuring Anne Bonnie. Yes. Oh, God, please. Hands down. That would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but um, the other one, too, is uh, Dresden. I would love to see more of, like, what Molly's adventures are. Mm-hmm. Uh, her yeah. story, I think, just came out. Like, oh, really? Bombshell. Bombshell, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, November, I think. That would be awesome. Yeah, if you could. I would, I would love to read that, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that came out in November. It's actually a, it's a novella just purely about her, and it's her first day on the job, I believe. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That sounds really fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think now it's t- a good time for us to just really briefly, and we'll just do a quick, like, let's do a twice around, uh, your absolute favorite standout female hero or lead character. Uh, and we'll just do this real quick, then we'll do the same thing with villains. We'll get a chance to talk a little tiny bit more about Wonder Woman, uh, and then we'll close out the show for the night, if that works for everybody. So uh, I will kick us off. So absolute favorite standout female hero character for me, I think mine, I, I, I hate to say it but because it's kind of a cheap answer, but it's not. Uh, Commander Shepard from Mass Effect. Yes! Because uh, my mine that I played was... Very much the female version, and it's a character I got to craft, so I'm sure it's it's a little bit of cheating in this, but but it was a character that resonated with me, because I believed in who that character was by the end of their journey through three games. Like, I spent an obscene amount of time with this character, but even the stuff that was not even my choice that was written, I believed. I absolutely mm-hmm. believed every aspect of that character. So. Well, the other thing with that character, too, is, like, between FemShep and the MaleShep versions, most people gravitated towards the female one. The voice acting was better, and it just, it worked. The performance was just came yeah. alive a lot yeah. more, I think. Yeah. Fesh. Not really a hero, but I'm going with Summer from Rick and Morty. 
Because <laughs> she's just awesome. And and the way she evolves over the last two seasons has been pretty fucking wonderful in my book. Okay. Kat? Um, I'm going to go with uh, books, unshockingly. Um, Kate Daniels from the Kate Daniels series by Alona Andrews. With a close runner-up with Nevada Baylor from another Alona Andrews series. But they know how to write women in the most awesome way. I mean, the author is actually a husband and wife duo. And they, oh my god, they're just really, really phenomenal urban fantasy books. And, yeah. Hands down. <laughs> Eric. Elizabeth from the Bioshock series. Oh, I think that she kind of starts out as a a little bit of a damsel in distress, but she can fuck shit up when she needs to. <laughs> well, and she ends up having an even awesomer backstory when you go into the DLC content. Nice. Teach. I'm going to surprise no one. Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I needed to say. <laughs> um, mine would actually be a toss-up between Wonder Woman and Princess Leia. Again, surprising absolutely no one. Um, but again, they're characters that I grew up loving. They're characters that I grew up wanting to be that strong, powerful woman who wasn't afraid to fuck anybody's day up and mm-hmm. you know command somebody to tell the truth and to tell a Wookiee twice my size to get this walking carpet out of my way. But still be able to rescue my prince or, you know, my damsel in distress as he's frozen in carbonite and have those sort of uber romantic moments where you can still be vulnerable, but you know that when shit goes down, you'll be fighting in the fray next to them or possibly defending them anyway. So command that revolution, ladies. Let's get let's make this happen. Amen. My next one is a kind of an oddball one. It's kind of a it's a tie, actually, but it's from the same character family, so it works. Uh, it's an odd one, but I, I think that it kind of fits because uh, they're just amazing characters, and if you question them being strong, I would definitely be able to defend this, I think. Morticia Adams and Wednesday Adams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, because there's no point in time in that where you ever would be like, they're pushovers, because they would probably try to kill you. Uh, but they're just awesome, awesome characters. Like, they are very, like, strong, know who the hell they are. Even Wednesday, who, like... When the classic comic strips, or even the films that we all love from, like, the <laughs> 90s, when Christina Ricci is, like, knee-high, she is still absolutely terrifying. But, <laughs> um, but I love those characters so much. Like, every character from the Adams clan is super unique, but Wednesday and Morticia are the ones that I think constantly are the ones that just take the cake and are the very underappreciated ones, so... But I absolutely love them. Besh. Egwin from the uh, World of Time series. She goes from being a basically a farmer's daughter mm-hmm. to being a sister, then yeah. leading after the schism at the tower. She ends up leading the rebellion side of it, basically as a puppet. Realizes they're trying to use her as a puppet. Grips the power completely away from them. Ends up getting recaptured by the tower and literally has the crap beat out of her on a ba- you know like a daily basis trying to break her. And through her leadership takes the tower and completely turns them around in support. I mean, she, yeah, yeah. She's an amazing character. It's 14 books long in this series, but it's so it's worth long. it if you can make it through it. So good. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do one more one around, too, I okay. think. Okay. I so. mean, obviously one of my big ones is Alana, but I already said that. So I'm actually going to bring up... Um, a bit, uh, I guess, better known example from books slash movies, which was uh, Eowyn from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> she had that moment in the third movie, and I mean in the third book, where everyone was just like, 
That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Aaron. Alright. Still still favorite hero? Yep, we're gonna do we're okay. gonna do our top three going around. Alright, so. um Anara from Firefly. Nice. I she stood her ground at every time she was unapologetic for what she did for who she was. Um I love the fact that she could just go toe to toe with Mal at any point in time. Just put him in his place without question. Pretty much. No hesitation. <laughs> my, and also one of my favorite um, discussions is between her and Shepard. When Shepard comes to talk to her in her uh, bunk and she's, you know, bathing and, and she's just, nope, I'm not I'm not going to change who I am. I, this is this is what I do. This is who I am. Teach. Karen Murphy from the Dresden Files. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Reasons? <laughs> she's a bad. She's a badass. She's her own character, and she's got this cute little grandmother house. <laughs> <laughs> Not by choice. Well, Not no, it is inherited. Yeah, but she just doesn't care enough to change it. <laughs> so. But she's she's strong. Uh, you know, she's she's immortal, and she stands up to. At one point, she stands up to Billy Groff and goes, "No, he's under my protection. If you want to get to him." You have to go through me. Oh, and by the way, I took down a, one of your kind with a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> Jada. I would have to go with Daenerys Targaryen, somebody who I mentioned earlier yeah. in this series, but again, Mother of Dragons goes from being the prize to be won to commanding armies, and they follow her because they love her. She has people falling at her feet to be her consorts, to be her advisors, but still, she is her own person. She's not apologetic for her sexuality. She marries for power at one point. And then when her husband dies, she's like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, I got my dragons. Let's get the fuck out of here. Like, she she knows what she's fighting for. She knows who's who she's fighting for. Um, and but at the same time, she's not afraid to love. She's not afraid to be vulnerable. But she knows when to, when and where to draw that line. Yeah. Uh, for me, I actually am going to be going to a book, and I'm going to go to the Gentleman Bastard sequence, written by Scott Lynch, oh, nice. and the character of Sabatha. Mm-hmm. And we got to inter- be really properly introduced to her character in the last book. We show- we were shown what she was capable of, which is, dear God, she's fucking terrifying. Um, I think there's a lot more they could have done with her yet, but I think we have yet to see her story fully unfold, but... Just getting to see her history with Locke and the guys uh, over the course of them growing up together and in addition to being face-to-face with Locke in a battle of wits uh, for the entirety of the last book. I am absolutely excited for when Thorn of Ember Lane comes out and we get to see them come to heads in full for the first time. So, um, But she is such an interesting, unique character. And when the characters that you fear already being the leads are terrified of her, there's good reason to be terrified of her as well. <laughs> but she's such an awesome character, and she seems very, very unique, and I can't wait for them to dive in into her more and more. So, Paul? I'm going to follow Jada's lead and do a throwback. Dr. Mrs. the Monarch from the Venture <laughs> Brothers. Uh, of course, she takes that name after Dr. Girlfriend, after the showdown at Cremation Creek, when she marries the Monarch. But, uh, if you haven't watched the Venture Brothers, it is well worth your time and effort. It's Honestly, so it is, you know, pop culture references out the wazoo. The art's pretty decent. The storyline's chunky in season one, but ah, she is so amazing in that series. Kat, your final one. Uh, I have a lot of other book ones, but I'll go to a TV one. Just to 
you know, bearing things up a little bit. Um, Jessica Jones. She's, like, mean-talking and has tons of fucking issues, and I just, I love her character. Erin. Mine just went totally out of my head. Skip me, go to TJ, I'll come back to me. <laughs> We're going to do one. TJ, then back to Erin. Yes. Cora. <laughs> uh, from The Legend oh, of Cora. Okay. okay. Yeah. Jada. Or, I'm sorry, Erin. No, no. It's going on. I'm having podcast brain. Um, actually, if I could pull somebody from Legend of Korra, I would go with Lin Bei Fong. Because, again, she had some issues, <laughs> but she also kicked ass. There were, yeah. Okay. Erin, your final one. I remembered! <laughs> uh, a girl has no name, Arya Stark. Oh, there you go. Yes. You see, especially in, 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 yes. you know, and, and I've, I've read the books, but I, I'm more familiar currently with the, the show, with the TV show, and I know it kind of differs a little bit, but the, her arc is absolutely amazing, and I'm very excited to see what happens when she comes back, because I'm pretty sure what you hear in the first season, which is sticking with the pointy end, is going to happen a lot in this coming season. (laughs) We can only hope. Well, one of the things i got to applaud us all is none of us use the same one as somebody else. So if people wonder if there's no good, if there's really actually that many strong female characters, we, there's six of us at this table and we each gave three, sometimes four, four characters. So there are tons and there's tons we didn't even mention. So Um, now we get to the hard question is the biggest standout female villains. And I think that's where things might start to change a little bit, and we're all going to say the same ones. And I'm really happy that I'm the one that gets to kick this off, because I'm going to say oh, Maleficent. Damn. No, damn it! No, you <laughs> because bastard. it's Maleficent, and she is fucking You son awesome. of a bitch! That's my first one! But yeah, no, Maleficent, I think, is like, when you think of vile, evil, like, power, like, she is the embodiment of that, and she has been since I was a little kid. Like, next to Darth Vader, she is the next one that I think poses the most terrifying figure from my childhood. Capes, staffs, creepy. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly all oh, it is. Dressed, dressed in black, long cloaks, evil. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Maleficent for me is top dog. Yeah. I just realized I messed up. Dr. Mrs. the Monarch should have been a villain, not a hero. <laughs> but to me, she's a hero. Oh, there you go. Oh, but to me, she she's is. She's standing up for what she believes in. Judge. It's conviction. <laughs> Reality, perception. You know, we're all the same. Messed that up. So that's that's your answer as well. As that, that would have been, Dr. Mrs. The Monarch. been my answer for this column, yes. Kat. Yzma. From- <laughs> <laughs> I just because, rewatched that. Yeah. All, all I can so see in my brain is the... Where is the, like, the evil kitty cat? Yeah. Are you talking Isma from... From Anniversary Group? Pull the lever. Pull the lever! Yeah, that yeah. one, okay. Because she is just fantastic. Erin. <laughs> uh, I am going to go along the same lines as Kat. Lady Tremaine. The stepmother. Cinderella's oh, yeah. the stepmother. Because uh, talk about a vindictive bitch. <laughs> I think and my favorite portrayal of Kate Blanchett. No, oh. I was going to say my favorite portrayal of the Wicked Stepmother was Angelica Houston. In, oh, and um, ever, and ever after. after, yeah. Which that's my favorite Cinderella movie. Like, if you're going to pick a Cinderella story, that is that a good one. My favorite. I have but. to say, her and and the Kate Blanchett might tie mm. for me because yeah. I love both of their. I mean, they can both be vicious and evil at the same time. Oh yeah, and you love them for it. Yes. <laughs> okay. yes. Doctor Veronica Kale. From the uh, latest series of Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Okay. She is a mortal who challenged 
Wonder Woman captured the sons of Ares, beat Wonder Woman three times, um, <clears throat> and found her way to Themyscira. Mm-hmm. Fairly impressive. Yeah. Jada. Well, since you stole Maleficent from me, um, <laughs> I will have to go with, for a good villain, female villain character, Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Which is me crazy. Yeah, can we talk about, like, she does everything wrong, like, you know, from the start of the series, like, she is just, she's vindictive, she's evil, she's screwing her brother and lying to her husband, and basically, I mean, but there is nothing more terrifying than a woman who's having, who's a mother who the only thing that she truly loved were her children. And then they're taken from her. There was, Granted, a, there was yeah. only humanizing quality. They were the only thing that made her human. Yeah. That made yeah. her feel. So yeah. now there is nothing left but hatred and pain. And goddamn, that's terrifying. If there was Super anything scary. more terrifying than the scene of them all being obliterated in the, with the sept. Oh my god, I know. Then it was her with the septa. With the septa on the table and her just walking around drinking wine saying, I do this because it feels good. I do that because I want to. I do this because it feels good. And it's all about power. It's all about her complete need to be in control of everything. Because as much as she, you know, was kind of the power behind the throne, she was still behind the throne. Mm -hmm. Whether it was her son or her husband on it. Yeah. She was never, she was never the one in charge. Oh, now she's in charge. And we better watch the fuck out because next yeah. season is going to be nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, is my next one in is from Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the White Queen. Oh, yeah! Oh, my God! I stole it from Oh, really? Yeah, I'm sorry. Now I got to Because pay. that's another one. Yeah. It's your podcast. We'll give you that. <laughs> and the funny thing is, too, like, I actually didn't read the books until I was a little bit older, so I watched the animated version when I was a kid. Oh, that was scary, too. And that was twisted, yeah. and I remember the, the the design of that character, and it was a little bit of Cruella de Vil, mm-hmm. and a little bit of dust, like, very gaunt and creepy, skeleton-like. Um, and damn, I just realized what my third one was. So, um... <laughs> um so, but yeah, like I said, uh, I, I think that is one that is just infamous, I think, as far as great True foils for like the side of good is the, definitely the White Queen. So you're gonna have to skip me. I gotta come up with a new one. All right, so we'll go around, come back to you. Damn it. Yeah. Hit me, and then we'll do our third round, and then we'll close out the show. All right. Or actually, we'll do, or we can just make this our last one around, and then we'll okay, talk okay. a little tiny bit of Wonder Woman, and then we'll get out of here. Oh yeah. Um, I will go for. I mean, these are kind of great characters, but they're technically villains. The the girls in Batman. I mean, like, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, and um, Catwoman are friggin' awesome. And I think what makes them so interesting as, um, is that they do swing that line. They're supposed to, like, they're villains, technically. They do bad things. But they also are very great characters, and then sometimes play the hero. Uh, Serena Joy from Handmaid's Tale. The mm. commander's wife. Yeah, definitely. I think she's so intriguing to me. Because obviously she is the foil to ask to um, offer it, but she thinks from her perspective what she is doing is right. What she is doing is helping this new country that they founded. All she wants is a baby, so she thinks that this is the way to go about it. Um, so it always interests me when a villain comes across because you always think in a villain's eyes they're not the villain; they're the they're the good person, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm the villain in your story, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's she. She is one of I think one of the most 
well-rounded villain characters I've seen in a long they time. They do touch on her backstory a little bit in yes. some of the episodes, um, which makes her even more, like... You want to feel bad for her? You want to redeem her, but you just can't because she's so fucking evil. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Lena Luthor. Oh. Nice. Which we haven't seen her show up that way yet in the TV show. She's that way in the comics. And actually, her, she, funny enough, she's not the arch, arch nemesis of Supergirl. She's the arch nemesis of Lex Luthor. She is. Interesting. Jada. Um, I'm going to have to go with Ursula the Sea Witch. Yes. yes. Which I think I've touched on her before when we did our Disney episode, but goddamn, I love her. Like, she, again, you talk about just, like, unapologetic female. Mm-hmm. Like, she's unapologetic about, oh, when I lived in the palace, this is what we did, and blah, blah, blah. And, and again, she's also, she's a presence. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't miss her. She's iconic. She's also a woman of stature and a woman of size, which I love because, again, we're talking about being unapologetic. And she's like, I'm wasting away to practically nothing. Like, <laughs> she, she kind of pokes a little bit of fun at herself in it. But at the same time, like, she she's starving for power. And that is truly what she's wasting away from. She wants to be back in that seat of power. And how does she do it? Hmm, I'm going to manipulate the king's daughter. Look at me. <laughs> and she does. She, she plays her up one side and down the other. Gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm trying, trying to remember names. I've come across so many good villains in in books, but I always... And it goes with male characters, too. I have a tendency for getting names. There are some really, really, really wonderful villains, again, within the uh, the World of Time series. I just can't pull names out. Quite okay. Blank. You're the one. I know. Podcast brain. I will finish off with a final one that I think we have to have to do it, which is the other mother from Coraline. <gasps> oh god. Oh, what did I think so of that? Horrifying. <laughs> oh. Absolutely terrifying so I can't scary. watch such an amazingly awesome, unique, mm. twisted villain, but so but a sympathetic villain. Which what's makes her even more terrifying. I can't Sometimes. watch that movie with Ashley. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So we have to get to something quick and short, uh, but it's <laughs> worth mentioning and getting into this a little bit. So I know Paul's going to be out of this one, and I apologize because he hasn't seen this. But I know he's usually pretty good with spoilers, and it's okay. Go go go. Um, so everybody, real quick, let's do your pure thoughts about the movie Wonder Woman. We're just going to go around because if we get into a discussion, we're going to end up here for another hour and a half before we get to our closer, and it's already we're hitting nine thirty. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, okay, Aaron. Well, no, I'm just saying, spoiler free or with spoilers? No, spoiler free. We're past the two week marker, which yeah. is a normal caffeine right. crew rule set. We are, mean with spoilers. With, 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 well, right. with spoilers, we're okay. we're past yeah, two yeah. weeks. So, <laughs> so if you do not want to hear this, do not listen. Yeah, <laughs> we are giving you now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, I gotta say, I mean, it was fucking amazing from beginning to end, but, like, one of the things I loved the most that I didn't expect to, I mean, I expect to enjoy it, but, uh, the thing that made me tear up was not, like, the big heart-wrenching scenes during the movie, it was when the women were all fighting together. Um, oh my god, seeing yes. Seeing all the women fight together, and, like, and again, it's uh, not, and via a woman's perspective, like, with a female director... As it's not focused on how cool they look or what they're doing. They were just raw and real and working together. And, like, it was amazing to see. I was tearing up in those scenes. It oh, absolutely. Was awesome. Absolutely. 
Uh, I had my one moment of wanting to stand up and scream yes when she comes up and out of the trench. Out of the trench. Oh my and god. You, at yes. that point, you hadn't seen the costume really no until that land. moment. Oh. And when she goes striding across no man's land with just no fucks to give. Oh and my yeah, that Jesus. was shield. Oh my god, one of yes. the most amazing Tears were literally running down my face. At yeah. That point. Just a quick notion for people that don't know this little useless fact of trivia. Patty Jenkins had to fight for No Man's Land sequence to exist in the film. So, and it's probably the most powerful. It's the most powerful scene in the movie. That's where you truly, like, you truly empathize with her and say, like, she is fighting for us for our survival. That's her biggest hero scene. Absolutely, it's like absolutely that scene trumps the the fight with Ares at the end. I totally agree, one hundred percent. It is so emotional. And I also want to say it was really nice to see that Wonder Woman was brought to the stature she was. And not and and it didn't diminish any of the other characters. Like sometimes when you see stronger movies, stronger women in movies, they will do that, at, and it's at detriment then to the other characters, especially male characters. Mm-hmm. Her and Chris Pine, Chris were Pine, and it was and and there was and there was no ifs ands or buts about it. I love the fact that it took him, it took her deflecting a bullet once to be like, never mind, you're good. Okay, let's we go. Got this. Yeah. yeah, and even with characters like Etta Candy, who mm-hmm. was you know sort of. She was sort of a little bit of a punchline in some of the early comics, but you look at her in that movie, and she's smart. She's funny. She's with it. Like, she she holds her own, and actually, even in some of the later comics, um, you know, at one point, I think she swaps bodies with Wonder Woman and then decides she wants to go back to her own body, because Aww. it's okay to accept yourself the way you are and That's love awesome. yourself the way you are, um, which brings me to my favorite thing about this movie, which is body positivity and female empowerment just in that this movie was shot for women and how what we want to see what we look like on on the screen it's not about how men want to see us mm-hmm. i love the fact that the amazons were athletic they were warriors they were scholars when you see them fighting it's not oh we're going to prance around in our pretty little <laughs> outfits and look cute uh-huh. no no they were badass and really wrecking those germans day um also i like the fact that they were athletic they were also age-appropriate. Yeah, you didn't have so, a 30-year-old yeah. actress playing the mother of another 28-year-old actress. Uh-huh. You had somebody who was in her 50s who had some sun damage on her face and some crow's feet and yeah. looked like she was the queen. Because there's a difference between... Wrinkles. Right. Yes. Really right. nice. Even Wonder Woman was yeah. allowed to have wrinkles, which was like, fuck Yeah, yes. you see her thigh jiggle on stage. You're like, yeah. wait, what? Because she's it muscular awesome. and powerful. Yeah, yes. like these, these are things to me that as a woman, I was like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, that is what we want to see. Um, I would also like to see maybe a little bit more embracing of, you know, maybe not just the athletic build, maybe the next Wonder Woman movie, we see a little bit, you know, a, a little bit more women of curves and a little yes. bit more women of size in, in throughout yeah. Themyscira. I think that would be a good thing. I mean, Etta Candy did her piece and she was a great character, but I would like to see, you know, a little bit more well-rounded, we'll say, mm-hmm. Amazonian women. Um, but I think this movie did a lot for how women want to see ourselves portrayed on screen. Yeah. In an action movie. In Agreed. a comic movie. TJ. This was probably the best... Uh, I'll be This is probably one of the best superhero movies since Superman. Ever? Ever? The original Superman film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, the Dark Knight trilogy was great. Okay. For what it is. You know, except for that last one, which we don't talk about too much. Um, while the Dark Knight trilogy was great, this is what I've wanted to see from the DC Universe. As much as Batman is about vengeance, quote-unquote, it's really about justice. Superman is about hope. Wonder Woman is about peace. And those, those are the aspects you 
go to when you describe DC, when you describe the DC heroes. Wonder Woman was very much an essence of hope and somewhat of peace. Um, I think it got like I love the movie. I think it got weak in the third act. Um, the fight with Ares, and this goes even back towards like uh, the Justice League Unlimited series. I don't see or even going all the way back to the original Hercules with Kevin Sorbo. I don't understand how you beat the God of War by punching the God of War. This seems... Uh, <laughs> if I'm going to fight the God of War, won't he get more powerful? Isn't that his bang? I, mean, yeah, um, I would have much rather him have stayed that... Um, Look at Xena, guys. Yeah. You said Hercules. I'm yeah. like, no, we made we, we uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry, Lucy Lawless. Our hey, bad. Yeah. I, I would have rather have seen like as when he was poofing back and forth, and she couldn't get to him. I would have rather have seen that, and then the final battle be against a bunch of Nazi soldier, uh, uh, German soldiers hyped up on the drug. Mm-hmm. I th- think that would have been a stronger ending and sent a better message. Um, but I, I love the movie. Like you said, the, the coming out. Of, I almost stood up and cheered. When yeah. she came out of that. Yeah. Um, the fact that everybody was strong. It was good acting all around. Even the side characters mm-hmm. got more development in three sentences <laughs> than some movies have given a, a other characters. Like, the, um, oh, by the way, the uh, chief. Mm-hmm. The actor and Patty Jenkins have confirmed he is a demigod. So we were. So I was okay. right. Yeah. Okay. Um, he is na- uh, the trickster guy. Yeah. Ev- yeah. Evidently, when they speak in Blackfoot, because it's not, um, there's no subtitles. He actually introduces himself as that person, and the only people who would know that are people who can speak that language. Yeah. So um, that's the, really neat. Um, like Wonder Woman, who can speak like thousands of exactly. Languages. Yeah. The the and I can't remember the other two's name. The Irishman and the other guy. Scottishman. Scottishman. Scott, Scottsman. Yeah, yeah. You learned more about him when he couldn't take the shot. Mm-hmm. Okay, these none of the characters were skimped on. Yeah, okay, they right. may not have been fully developed, but the, the amount of development they were able to yeah, give just to small, them made them feel real. A, a small, a small moment of you're, you're in World War One, where everybody's pretty much tasked upon to fight, and you have this guy who's like, "I'm just an actor." That's all I wanted to do with my life, and I'm here. So, and yet he has an integral role in getting them into the party, right? Yeah. So, but and he has a nice moment of I was born the wrong color. You know, yeah, like and then you, yeah. you get that inclusion oh, yeah. in there too. Right. But no, beautiful, really beautiful cool. movie. Uh, for me, I had one of my favorite moments I've ever had in a theater in my life. Um, I lucked out and got to see this movie uh, a couple days before it came out, uh, and we got to do an early review of the film. Uh, but one of the things that was really amazing is because usually when you see early screeners uh, at a theater. It's prize winners that get to go in and see. So you don't know the audience that you're there with, which is unlike when all of us go see a comic book movie on a Thursday night screening before it opens in full on Friday. We're all there with the people that are there to see that movie. When you go to something like this, you have no idea the audience you're going to be there with. And what it's really fun is when you watch a movie and you watch the reactions around everybody else, because you go in to review a movie, you go in with a different mindset. You go in as a fan, but you have to go in and pick it the hell apart. Um, I've never experienced in my life being in a movie and watch action sequences, lines of dialogue happening, 
uh, all these little tiny like little things that make up a, a, a whole of a film have purely just women respond in the audience between a cheer and just them <laughs> clapping, shouting out, and it was one of the most empowering experiences I've ever had in a theater to watch that happen because I never think about that. But when that happens, you're like, that was about 15 women in this this audience that may not be here because it's a comic book movie. But that was incredibly, incredibly exciting to hear that and see that and realize that we are actually on the precipice of some form of change. And I'm really, really hoping that they understand this at Warner Brothers uh, and at every other studio that's making films. And they had representatives in those theaters there for the companies that were distributing that movie. They were there in that theater that I was at, too. They heard those moments as well. And all you can think of is, holy crap, aside from this movie being amazing, this is going to enact some really amazing, awesome change. So, The other thing I'd like to say is I think the action sequences were much better than what we've seen lately in like the Marvel movies. The Marvel movies are cut to hell when they do it. Like, you throw, Captain America throws a punch, there's four different cuts, okay? Wonder Woman had a lot of continuous action yeah. shots. Point of fact, when they uh, reshot some of the scenes, and some of the action scenes, um, Gal Gadot was actually four months pregnant. Yeah. They had to blue screen out her belly yeah. <laughs> in some of the shots. Now, it wasn't some of the high action sequences, yeah. but there were there were definitely some scenes where mm-hmm. they had to do some reshoots, and uh, I think that's kind of a cool yeah. thing. Like, not only am I going to kick ass, but I'm going to kick yeah, ass while growing a tiny yeah. human. <laughs> well, I hate to cut this short, but we still have a closer to do, and we're already over it two hours and five minutes <laughs> in, so let's get everything wrapped up, guys. Um, so no. we close out this show the way that we close out just about every other show. We occasionally kind of deviate from this, but... I think this is the one that seems to fit fit this show the best, which is our Mary Fuck Kill. And tonight, what better to do than when we talk about strong, powerful characters that are all female, than talk about the damsels in distress that fuck that whole thing up. Um, so tonight, the characters I bring to everybody, and there's definitely an odd man out, and that's definitely very true. Uh, we're going to be talking about Lois Lane, Princess Peach, and Xander from Buffy, because of course... Xander from Buffy. So uh, I apologize because I know Paul's not as familiar with Xander and and Buffy in general. So uh, we will we will work around things. So we'll start with we'll start with Paul tonight. Not very familiar is a nice way of saying I don't have a clue. <laughs> exactly, it's okay. There are so many things on my to do list as far as catching up with old media. It's not even funny. I cry when I think about it. Uh, let's see. So to begin it off, like you said, I don't know Buffy, so I don't know Xander, so Xander's got to die. Because I feel like if I picked any of the other two choices with no knowledge, it's just not fair to Xander. Much easier to put around through him and just let him lay. Um, Princess Peach gets fucked. But that's <laughs> mainly because I want to marry Lois Lane. Because I still envision, and I'm probably not too far off the mark, and hopefully we'll see a difference moving forwards, but I, I still envision, Lo, envision Lois Lane being stuck back in the 50s. And I think it would be incredible to marry somebody that's stuck in that period of time and then show them, like, what a progressive future looks like. I'm so glad you finished that sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I see what I could have guessed. Okay. Yeah. No, no, okay. See, I didn't even consider wow. that. Oh, I, was like, I was like... 
No, I didn't. I wasn't even paying attention. Actually, the funny thing is, I was like, wow, that like almost came across as a punchline to our entire episode yeah. in a very bad way. No, like, no. Yeah, but you have to think of Lois Lane in the 50s, though, was still a very forward-thinking yeah, career woman. That's true. Well, yeah, so. but she was stuck in the 50s. Well, yes. Imagine, imagine Lois Lane being able to jump forwards and actually experience what, you know, a progressive, equal lifestyle could be. I think it would be mind-blowing and very liberating for her. I agree. Yeah. Um... We're just going to go right around. Cat. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to kill Princess Peach because, yeah, I just have no Fair <laughs> connection enough. to her. Um, I think I would bang Lois Lane because while she is awesome, we would butt heads way too much. <laughs> and I would marry Xander because it would work. I'm way too bossy. I mean, really, it would work well. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Aaron? That's <laughs> okay. Because Kat said so. <laughs> Aaron. All right, I'm actually going to agree with everything Kat said. I'm going to kill Princess Peach because let me tell you how much anxiety has a child playing Super Mario oh. Brothers. Every single time you beat the castle, you're like, yes, you bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, your princess is in another castle. Exactly. Um, I'm going to screw the hell out of Lois Lane because, yeah, she is hot. And um, and also, I think, I, you know, she's a very powerful woman, so I think that would be yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, and marry Xander because you, he is just the most lovable thing. I think I, I, you know, I always felt awful for... Uh, during the episode where Anya leaves him at the altar, or he leaves, I'm sorry, he leaves Anya at the, at the altar. Um, because I think, I think if he had, you know, could go back, he wouldn't have at all, but I love him. TJ, <laughs> uh, I'm going to kill Xander because God would a sad sack and I wouldn't be able to pull off <laughs> And, and his penis has, uh, has disease. Oh my God, that's right. much tried, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> forgot about that part, yeah. did you? Jesus, I forgot about that. No, you um, said Mary, not screw. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're going with Paul's theory is that it's the 50s marriage, so your bed is over here and this is exactly. over here. There you go. So, um, I screw Princess Peach, I guess. I really have no opinion on her whatsoever. <laughs> um, and I married Lois Lane. Big shot. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which is actually why I didn't bring her up before, because I didn't want to spoil this late now. <laughs> Jada. All right. Sorry, Princess Sorry, Princess Peach, but you're getting stomped on. I would kill Princess Peach, because I have no emotional attachment to her. Like, I played video games as a kid. I played Super Mario, but that was never a thing that was like, oh, Princess Peach, I'm going to save you. Like, no. Um... <laughs> I'd probably fuck Xander, but given what y'all just said, I'd make him wear a condom. Um, and I'd also probably gag him, because he's whiny as fuck. So, right? I mean, like, okay, Xander, I, I would kind of, like, pity fuck you, because you need to be rescued a whole lot, but just don't talk. Alright? Just, just don't talk. Um, I would marry Lois Lane, because I think she and I would probably be, like, a power couple. Because, oh, hell yeah. you know, she's a spunky reporter and I'm me, so I, just, <laughs> I feel like we would have we would have a good thing going. I mean, we would have that relationship of, like, we would have a good synergy. You know, I'm, I'm the mama bear protector, and she's the person who kind of needs to be defended and saved, but also is going to be the risk taker, and I don't mind taking risks so long as, you know, you know I got your back. So, mm-hmm. I think it would be a good thing. Uh, as for me, uh, I'm going to also kill Princess Peach because Sorry, Peach. <laughs> I'll put it this way: they decided when 
you know, female fans reached out to Nintendo and said, we want a video game starring Princess Peach. And they said, sure, here it is. It's Super Princess Peach. And her powers were to cry, get angry, so she had a temper. And I'm like, wow, yeah, there's a problem here. And it's not just the character of Peach, but it's also Nintendo, obviously. Yeah, yeah, wow. But I'm like, holy crap. So, yeah, I think we're just going to have to shunt her off in a corner somewhere. Yeah, and, uh, shit, that's really a thing. So, yeah. So, no, it's it's definitely a thing. I believe it was on uh, DS. So. Oh, God. Um, but now it comes to the difficult question is, um, do you marry Xander? And Xander, I, I, I loved his character, but holy shit, was he, like, again, people have said it, whiny, manipulative. He was a real hardcore dick about just about everybody. At some point in time in that show, he was the only character that was like that. He was really shitty to, like, Buffy. Really to really, really shitty to Angel. Really, really shitty to Spike. To Willow. Oh my god, he was shitty to everybody <laughs> on that show. Everybody! Um, I'm telling you, Spike fuck him. Uh, but, but, Oz, Oz by Osmosis. Um, because, but yeah, I mean, like, he's just not a good human being. So, yeah, I think that's a spite fuck, but I'm going to say it was the only reason it happened is he did a love spell again, and I got sucked in on that because things went awry. Just so. don't use loot. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. See, that's it. That's, that's all you have to do. I'm just going to be the top, goddammit. In one time in my life, I'm going to be the top. <laughs> um... <laughs> and of course I marry Lois Lane because Lois Lane actually like I said she's gone through such an amazing transition from her character's inception in the you know oh my god when was Superman created 1930s yeah from the 1930s until today and we've seen this character become something incredibly amazing and special like and even I remember when I walked out of Man of Steel and I messaged actually TJ at this table um we are, I think, I know there's the, the little pocket that loves that movie is very small. And I'm actually one of them. But watching Lois Lane in that film, I'm like, holy crap, they made a really fantastic progressive reporter, Lois Lane. And I fucking buy it and believe it. And we also have that version of that ex- character that exists in the comic books, too. It's not just the ones that, the, in, that we go to in a theater or watch on a Blu-ray or a DVD. But this character has been this fantastic and progressive for a very long time. Um, so it was really, I, she's just such an amazing character and she's the person that nurses Superman's wounds. Uh, you've got to have an amazing relationship to be able to be the person that is with the big blue boy scout. So and you can only- dress, occasionally dress in a bat mech and beat the hell out of the eradicator. So, you know, that's very <laughs> true. So, but yeah, so again, Mary Lewis Lane, fuck Xander and kill princess peach yeah <laughs> um all right guys so that was episode number 38 so before we get out of here we'll kick around and talk about what everybody's doing we'll give you a couple quick plugs and we'll get out of here and see you next month starting with jada what are you up to oh you know just the normal mild-mannered mother of three things um summer break my kids are in camp and um doing a lot of zumba and having a lot of fun dj I got nothing. I'm working. Erin. Cool. <laughs> I'm just going to say thing. I got nothing. I'm working a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you've got stuff um, coming out. I do. I have a um, new release on July 4th, Waking for Winter. It's the final book in my Philly Coven Chronicle series. And then um, I don't have a release date for Captured Memories yet, but that just got picked up too. Yes. So. Yay, Cat! Yay! Cool. Yeah. Feshy. I hate when you do that. 
I got nothing. I don't have kids. My job's not that bad. Oh, I'm working on my yard. Oh, cool. Hey, yeah. Looking better. You know, the neighbors aren't coming over and weed eating certain portions for me anymore. I've taken the, I've taken the hint. So, yeah, there's that. Very nice. Well, as for me, you can also find me at the other show in the Next Level Podcast Network, which is DC Primetime. Uh, this coming week, uh, actually in just a few days, we will talk about another very big, huge, uh, empowered female character. And we'll be doing our Season 2 Annual for Supergirl this coming week. So make sure you check that out, where we'll be re- re- like reviewing the entirety of this past season, talking about the highs, the lows, our favorite characters, favorite episodes... And are least on all of that as well, and then rating the entirety of the season. So make sure to check that out. But in addition, make sure you also head over to our good friend's website, which is DJ Cutman and Game Chop Records. Uh, Chris has been just phenomenal the last couple of years and has been giving us some amazing music to uh, use in front of this show. So make sure you check out their stuff. Buy an album or two. There's some amazing music if you love video games and chiptunes. But in addition to that, uh, go back and check out that ad that we played in the middle, in the middle of the show. We are now, like I said, it's rare for us to talk about ads, but we will be talking about ads from going forward. Uh, our good friends at Board Game Bento, so we say special thanks to them. Make sure you head over to BoardGameBento.com. Use the offer code NEXTLEVEL, all one word, save $10 off your first purchase over there. And uh, get a chance to grow your video, your board game collection. So, And uh, we'll talk to you guys all again next month, and uh, we'll figure out what we're going to be doing. But I think there's a high chance next month could be Harry Potter. Yes. So we'll see you guys around the bend. Bye. 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 Bye.